You, you want to see something really scary? What's the boogeyman? As a matter of fact, it was. I am the devil, and I am here to do the devil's work. Welcome to the Grave Plot Podcast. Welcome, everybody, to episode 223 of the Grave Plot Podcast. I'm Skeletoni. I'm Taylor of Terror. Uh, and yeah, we'll just come out and address the elephant in the room. Yeah, we, we skipped what? Two episodes? Um, well, I mean, this was supposed to be the next episode, so we didn't actually skip anything. I mean, we were just supposed to do one in between this. Yeah, well, yeah, because last episode we were like, don't worry, we'll be back in a week. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> uh, yeah, so yeah, we were supposed to, we were supposed to be getting caught up on episodes, I think we ultimately did just skip one, right? Were there yeah, like this. We this is our originally scheduled episode for this time frame, right? Which which movie? Do we skip movies? No, we just shuffled things. Did we? Okay, I think we moved things off the calendar in the future. Oh, it was ones that were just kind of placeholders, and it was like I don't care if I watch that. Ah, fair enough. Uh, anyway, yeah. So we were all ready to go to you know record uh, last weekend. And kind of get back on schedule, uh, but uh, then uh, the COVID, uh, COVID gods came knocking, and uh, I was down for the. Well, actually, I wasn't even down for the count. I didn't. There, I started feeling bad on Wednesday night. I thought maybe I had like a flu or something because that's kind of how it felt. <clears throat> and then uh, the next day, I just couldn't even get out of bed. Um, and it was Saturday morning. Like, my wife had been talking about how her boss has COVID. And it's like, because I was still feeling kind of like the the after effects, like just really congested and just kind of feeling shitty. <clears throat> and uh, I was like, maybe I should just test. I should just, just do it to, to be safe. And then right away. Ding, ding, ding. Like, you know, it like, took a little trip to Covey Island. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you've taken, you've, I'm sure you've all taken COVID tests at least once in your life. And, uh, you know how, like, sometimes it. You pee on the stick. No. No? You, you've been doing it wrong. I'm taking the wrong test. <laughs> Good news, I don't have COVID. Bad news, I'm pregnant. <laughs> but, I, yeah, I took the test and, like, you know how when you, when you take it, sometimes it takes, like, the full 15, 20 minutes for mm-hmm. the line to show up. Line showed up right away. Like <laughs> you're it, just littered with COVID. Yeah, I had so much COVID that the test line, so like the second line, showed up before the control line did. You were just rotten with COVID. <laughs> it's like, oh, I am. I have very much COVID. <laughs> I have big COVID. <laughs> and we were like, <clears throat> we are gonna go. Oh, we were gonna go buy the kids some new clothes. Um, and like we we're all dressed, we're ready to have the door. It's like I should do this just to be safe. And then I came back, 
And like ultimately, we, we did go out, but I, you know, I, I wore a mask. Um, I made sure I was keeping my hands clean and everything. So I was trying to be as safe as possible. Um, and uh, yeah, then wearing a mask in my own house for like a week that sucked. Yeah. Um. But. Yeah, uh, I'm just glad I got it out of the way because we're going on a little trip next week, and I just wanted. It's it's nice knowing now that because I've already gotten it, technically I shouldn't be able to get it again for a while. Right. So there's that. Yeah. But now the kid has it. Womp womp. Um. Yeah, but s- somehow my wife has avoided it through th- through me. Now the kid, and like we were her boss, her boss, her boss. Somehow she's not gotten it. She tested this morning. She's still negative. I don't know how she's doing it, but it's like we're like not trying to protect her. Like it's like we're just letting her, or you know, letting the kid be on her and 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 stuff like that. Because it's like if we get this out of the way now, we don't have to worry about you getting it or you know if it's showing up like when we have to fly out. You know, right. <clears throat> or happening, you know, the day we're supposed to go to Disneyland or something like that. Yeah. It's like, just get it out of the way now. Let it, let it happen. Um, and uh, despite that, she still has not gotten it. So, or at least it's not showing up on a test. And I don't even know where you can get a PCR test anymore. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> um, if, if you even can anymore. But So, that's what's going on in my life. Oh, my parents have it too. Did I tell you that? No. Yeah. So just a bunch of bunch of fun fun stuff. Yeah. All that to say, we're back. We are back. Um, you're welcome. Yep. Um, like I said, this is the same episode we advertised at the end of last episode. So if you listen to all that, then you already know what this episode is, or if you just look at the title. Yeah. But in case you've done neither of those things, the theme is. Horror on the high seas. Arr. Arr. Well, it's not really pirates. Neither, neither of them have pirates. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I mean, I guess not. Like not pirates could talk like that, right? I I mean, there you anybody could talk like that. Yeah. I mean, there's like what there's there's like a national talk like a pirate day, which yeah. is which is stupid. Yeah. It's it's dumb that that exists. And like, I don't think anybody on the Pittsburgh Pirates talks like that. So it's just waste. It's a waste. Like, of, what are you? Yeah. What are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> What if like some pirates came out of the woodwork and be like, we find this name offensive? <laughs> Yar. <laughs> Avast. We find this name offensive. <laughs> Ahoy there, mateys, I say. <laughs> uh anyway, so uh what's what's I kind of regaled my my break. What what what's new with you, Taylor? Uh not too much. My dog had some kind of thing on her paw. And she was uh, gonna go in and have it lopped off when we got back from California, and it it's just gone, just fell off. Yeah, there's like a little like so it looked like like a little claw coming out of like right here, like of her paw, like like basically just above what would be her palm if she was a person, like her palm pad, you know. It looked like a claw. It looked like a little claw, like it looked like a fucking rabbit or something. Was it was it hard? Yeah, that's weird. Yeah, and we went to the doctor, and the doctor was like. Yeah, I don't know what that is. Yeah. <laughs> hmm, that's weird. Hmm, <laughs> gross. <laughs> uh, what was I saying? I already lost my train of thought. Oh, I, yeah, I said 
that's okay, I was saying, by the way, if I start hacking up, it's because I still got fucking stuff draining out of my sinuses. Anyway, your dog. Sorry. Yeah, the vet was like, I don't know what it is, but we should probably, um, you know, remove it and biopsy it. And they gave us this like antiseptic wash to clean it. And the other night we were cleaning it and we just noticed it's gone. And now it just kind of, it almost looks like a little sucker from a tentacle there like on one of her toes. That's so weird. Yeah. And like when we first noticed it, it looked like it was like open. So I'm guessing either she chewed it off or it got caught on something and ripped off. Mm-hmm. Or, um, but it looks like it's healing. So I, I mean, at this point, we're just going to, when we take her in to get her blood work, and we're just going to be like, hey, can we just change this to have the doctor look at her instead and see if this is still necessary to do anything? Right. Well, that was a freebie. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if it was like a, maybe like a wart or something. Like at first we thought it was something stuck in her fur. Like yeah. Like a little stick or I, maybe it was and it was growing off of something else that was there. Yeah. But I had no idea. That's so weird. It was. The fact that it, it was like pointy. Yeah. Can't even like. I, it's like, like I'm at a loss. I don't know what the hell that could have been. Yeah. It's like I've had a lot of dogs in my lifetime, and I don't recall ever seeing a thing like that. So yeah, she's a weirdie. Uh, cool. Other than that, nothing really new. Just waiting for Disney. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure we've talked about it. Yeah, we have multiple times. I think. Yeah, especially in the last episode, we talked about Haunted Mansion. We probably talked about it a lot. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Stands the reason. <laughs> that checks out. Uh, but yeah, we're obviously going on a trip next week. Uh, going to go go do Disney. Yeah. And uh, we're going to see Ghost again. Yep. Should be, Which was the last show of the tour, but now it's not. Yeah, I don't... See, so they're doing... So we're... We bought tickets for the last show, the last show of the tour. Then they did a... They opened up a second night in L.A., the night after. And now I'm pretty sure they're doing another show in like Mexico or something. Yeah. Mexico city. What the fuck is going on? <laughs> I, I don't know. I just hope it doesn't affect what we are expecting to happen. Yeah. I mean, our, it's not really our secret to keep, but we're, I mean, anybody who listens to ghost or knows the kind of like how they operate, basically every album or every two albums, they defrock or fire or even kill their singer, the, the character, and they bring on a new singer. It's always a, it's always Tobias Forge underneath the mask, but he always plays a different character. We're fully expecting that to happen at the show we're going to, which is why we bought the tickets in the first place. Yeah, the only reason we were going was because it was the last show of the tour. Yeah. It's the last show of the tour, statistically... It, it it checks out that they would be doing this on this tour because they always do it, like I said, every album or every two albums. And it's been two albums. And they've been posting videos online that were strongly suggesting it. That too, yeah. Um, and uh, so, yeah, we're, it's like, all right, well, it's in L.A. This is something we could probably do, you know, just make a quick trip out of it. It's not like it's on, you know, in New York or something or, you know, in, in Europe somewhere. Europe, Europe. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, we bought the tickets, and it's like another thing was like it's like oh no no phones allowed like they they give you a um, 
seems like basically a, a portable Faraday cage to keep your phone in that you're not allowed to open until after the show. So it's like, obviously, I don't want you taking pictures or recording anything. So it's like, what else could they possibly be doing? But then they opened up a second night, the night after we're going, and then they had another show in Mexico. It's like, are they going to just re, redo it three times or, you know, two more times or, or what? Yeah, it's it's an interesting thing. They had some unfortunate uh, stuff going on. <laughs> yeah, some real uh, weather disasters going on. Yeah, they had to cancel two shows in Florida, and then they were, like, the night of their show in was it South Carolina. Yeah. Um, big storm was coming in, and apparently the venue had no cover. They, had, they barely had any cover over the stage, and then, like, the audience had no cover, and the soundboards had no cover, which is just stupid. Who does that? Yeah, that's the part that really got me when they said there was no nothing to cover any of the instruments or, um, uh, you know, um, equipment. Yeah. So, basically, Amon Amarth, who's, who they're touring with, was three songs, I think, into their set, and they basically just got flooded out, and then the equipment started malfunctioning and, sh- and shutting down. And I guess for three hours or something like that, they 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 basically told the audience to leave, and wait outside the gates. And then there were, there's this anticipation that they're going to be let back in at some point when they got things going. Uh, <clears throat> took three hours, and you know I think it's multiple times. Ghost wanted to go out and say sorry, we're we're not going to be able to continue the show. But I guess the owners of the venue or you know the representatives of the venue basically told them, no, you have to do this. You have to play. And just they refer to it as legalese, or basically they they're just being they're getting a lot of pushback from the venue uh, to complete the show. It's like we cannot complete this show. You have given us no support in making sure this didn't happen in the first place. So fuck you. Yeah. But none of this made it to the audience, the fans that paid to be there, and so people were just like furious with Ghost. And yeah, and then the venue called the cops. The venue called the cops. Yeah, you didn't hear that. No. Yeah, because people wouldn't leave because they didn't know they had to. Right. And so they called the fucking cops. Jesus Christ! I would just I would never go to that venue again. Hell no. And if if I was, obviously, if I was in Ghost or if, you know if I was Tobias Forge or their their management or whoever, I would never book a show there again. Um, I would never refuse to do business with them again. Um, and if I was a reputable artist who heard about this, I wouldn't do business with them either. Yeah, it's shitty all around. And I know Ghost had to cancel at least one show because their uh, equipment was, was damaged. And yeah. Like, have yeah. to repair it. Right, yeah, they couldn't get replacement equipment in time for the next show. So yeah, they had to cancel an incidental next show yeah. because of this fucking shitty venue. Anyway, not related to the show, but interesting nonetheless. Yeah. <laughs> uh... Well, why don't we get things going? Let's. And uh, we do that by thanking some uh, of our of our faithful, our, our grave diggers over on Patreon. Uh, lovely folks, beautiful, great people, uh, the best people. Trust me, I know people, and these are the best. We only we only deal with the best people. <laughs> uh, they help support uh, the show financially over on Patreon, and uh, you know I've said it a million times, and I'll say it again: it's not an expensive show. But it does cost money, and uh, money is not something we have much of. We just don't. We don't yeah, have it. It's true. <laughs> um, and uh, 
even if we did, it's like, how much do we want to put into the show? <laughs> um, but uh, anyway, no, th- yeah, these these folks uh, give us their hard-earned dollars every month, and uh, we are eternally grateful. And uh, those people, of course, are Carlos Rodella, Gory B. Movie, Max Zaleski, Aaron Meyer, Bob Voorhees, Kevin Nesgoda, and all the other faithless people who only give us... All the other <laughs> nameless ghouls. <laughs> uh, it's a ghost tie-in. Yeah, see? Um, <laughs> Taylor, <laughs> if anybody else wants to join the party, where can they go? They can go to patreon.com slash Podcast. You can join for as little as $1. Every little bit helps. Uh, we know that we, we don't have the best perks we we don't really do bonus content but we do let you join us live every episode for horror business we're live right now on our discord channel uh we also have discounts on our merchandise and you know it's we we do give back so you do get something uh or you know even if you just really like what we do we would we would appreciate anything you can give if you want to do a one-time donation you can also do that uh by sending us uh paypal at great plot podcast that'd be that'd be neat too that would be neat yeah, I mean, our when we first set up Patreon, we had all these tiers, and we had a handful of things, like rewards and stuff like that, that we just didn't really have the time to keep up with. Yeah. If we could make this, if we were one of those podcasts who made this a, a living, you know, they if we got like a, a living wage from a production company or something, and then we also had Patreon, yeah, we'd have all the time in the world to do a bunch of extra features, sure, but yeah. this is a a very, very part-time thing for us. Um, we both have full-time jobs. Uh, you know, I've got a family <laughs> and personal lives and, uh, that we have. Dogs with things growing out of their <laughs> hands. Like fucking fifth claws and shit. Um, and uh, yeah, it's, I mean, obviously we've been doing this almost 10 years, so it is a priority, but unfortunately it's just not that big of a priority. So, and we're already giving you, you know, three hour long episodes for free. Right. So I just I I've kind of got this mentality where it's like Patreon, people who are patrons, uh, they give just because they're trying to kind of help us and yeah. not really for the return. Right. Because I mean but we do we do try to give them what we can. Yeah. I mean, we with the, the, the rare occasion when we don't do it, very rare occasion, we always broadcast live on Discord. And that's always available to every um, grave digger. Some people, I'd say most people, actually don't take advantage of it, and that's totally fine. But we are here, as promised, and the things that we do offer, we 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 do provide. Yep. So, and all the money goes back into the show. But you know, we're not putting it in our pocket. It, it goes to equipment, or you know, hosting fees, things like that, uh, or the Grave Plot Film Fest. Which is currently accepting submissions over at filmfreeway.com slash graveplotfilmfest. If you're a filmmaker with a horror film 15 minutes or left, le- less left, if it's left in your camera roll. I mean, if you're at the beginning of the film and there's 15 minutes left, then that's great. Yeah, or less. Or less. <laughs> uh, then submit it and we'll watch it and we'll tell you if it's good or not. Yeah. All right. Like, we won't be dicks about it. We won't be like, nah, this ain't no good and yeah. shoot it with a gun or anything. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> uh, yeah, we always we give everybody the benefit of the doubt, unless some like we're like 
Unless it's Lisa Ovier's. We saw she submitted. And were, that's not going to make it. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> Fuck her. Yeah, we already threw that one in the garbage. I didn't even watch that shit. <laughs> the, I mean, there are ones... I saw it come through and I was just like, not accepted. <laughs> there are ones that come through and it's just like, it's it's not horror. It's it, this, it, this isn't remotely horror. It's like some kind of like experimental shit. It's like, why did you send this to us? Like, you, you paid the entry fee. You must have known that we would not pick this. What did you gain? Yeah, it's really weird some of the things that people submit. They're always from, like, like India. Yeah, or, I don't know or, if it's, like, a translation problem. I don't or? know. But it's, like, it's not horror. It may be great for, like, an experimental film or, or whatever, but, like, I'm not even going to give it the time of the day. As soon as I realize this is not horror, I'm shutting it off. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> anyway. But if it is horror, submit it. Do it. We know you're all making your little 48s. Go ahead and submit those. That's fine. That's fine. We've we've had 48s in the... in the. F- we've actually screened 48 we have, yeah. our films. So I wonder if we'll start getting some after the, the horror 48. Pro- that's next month, right? I think so, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, we take submissions. What through January? Uh, through no through October. Is it that short? Yeah, November first is the first deadline. Oh, why did I think it was January? Because that's the announcement of the films. Oh, okay. All right. Well, you have till the end. Till you have you have till Halloween. Well, you can you can wait until December first, but the fee goes up. Right. There's a late fee. Our fees. Our fees are nothing. Our fees are five dollars. Yeah, we keep everything very low cost, guys, to, to give you the best bang for your buck. That's right. And if you're a local filmmaker from you know the state of Washington, you get a discount. So it's true. Or if you're a Film Freeway Gold member, <laughs> see what our is our entry fee still five bucks, or did we raise it? It's five. It's, so our entry fee is five bucks, and our late fee is ten, right? Our late fee, yeah. Well, our late fee is also five, so it's ten total. Got it. Okay. <clears throat> so enter today. Greenplotfilmfest.com. <laughs> um, all right. Well, I'd love to make like a little commercial for it, but again, just who has the time? Not us. No. We're trying to get something together for our 10th anniversary next month, and we are struggling to come up with something that we have the time to do, the time and resources to do. Yeah. And uh it's it's tough. <laughs> It's like, we want to make a big deal out of it, but like the closer it gets, like, is this going to be a big deal? I mean, it's a big deal for us, but like, as far as like on the show, it's like, what are we going to do to make it a big deal? It's going to be a six hour episode. (laughs) (laughs) Put your adult diapers on because you're not going anywhere. What if we did like a 24 hour episode? Oh man. Like fucking Green and Lynch do for the Corgis or not the Corgis, the Yorkies. Yorkies. Such a niche thing. <laughs> Yorkie rescue. Specifically Yorkies. Well, it's because of uh, Arlo. Well, I know that. Is it Arlo? No. Is that not right? No, it's uh, like uh, Liv Tyler's character from Lord of the Rings or something. Some, some, something. Vigo Morgenstein. <laughs> <laughs> That's not the character. That's the actor. And you're even getting that wrong. Um, anyway. Okay. Well, 
Should we uh, should we do the rest of the show now? We should do the show. Let's do the show. Let's do some horror business. Our win. That's it. That's the one. You're over there looking up Liv Tyler's character. I just looked up Adam Green Dog. <laughs> I was straight to the source. This is, this is it's like different uh, thought patterns. <laughs> sure. <laughs> You're like, I think it might be named after this, so I'm going to look up that. Well, no, I definitely knew it was, so it's oh, just okay. like... It's like, well, yeah, I'll just find out what that character's named. Too much I should have read this ahead of time. So I can hit the ground running, but that's not what I'm doing right now. <laughs> you never do. No. Sometimes Why I do. I start now. Sometimes I do. Sometimes. <laughs> okay. Well, starting out in real world horror, I'm going to take a uh, trip over to jolly old London. Uh, the country of London. Yep. Um, On the continent of London. Fo- 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 foggy London country. Um, where, where in a Londonish woman... Probably. Just makes her sound like she's vaguely British. <laughs> what is Londoner, right? That's I think so. That's the term. I just like it doesn't even say where this is. It's she says maybe she's not even in London. Maybe she's somewhere. That's true, else it just says a British woman. Yeah. She could live in fucking Chicago for yeah. all we know. <laughs> well, a British in a woman. British. Eating her teas and crumpets. Uh, has been tormented by her haunted cell phone. <laughs> All I can think of is uh, forgetting Sarah Marshall. It's like, how could a cell phone kill you? <laughs> Just take out the battery. We won. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hello? <laughs> I was reading uh, one of these, like, you, you, uh, I think it's Ranker. You know, that's a website, mm-hmm. you know, like listicles. Um, uh, and they were talking about like the the greatest forgotten horror movies from the 2000s or something like that. One Miss Call? One Miss <laughs> Call was on there. I was like, I don't, I think this was very intentionally forgotten, but I was thinking about that scene. Okay, so apparently this woman lives in Horstead. Horstead, London? Yeah. Norwich Road, Horstead. London, England, 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 London. London. <laughs> I like, wonder. It's confusing because London is the city, and then it's also the country, and then England is the province. They have provinces there. Right? <laughs> <laughs> this is our dumbest running. Bit. <laughs> what do they have? They have states, or I, don't, I think they might have provinces. It might be provinces. I don't know. Um, Shires, <laughs> <laughs> the Hobbits. <laughs> um, so Horsetown, London, Horstead, Horse, Horstead, London Town. <laughs> um, Diane Key brought her Motorola smartphone. Diane Keaton. Yeah, <laughs> that's what she goes by when she visits London. And she's also British, <laughs> surprisingly. <laughs> so stupid. 
we're getting nowhere with this, and it's the dumbest fucking joke. I think we're getting farther away from the joke. <laughs> Diane Key brought her Motorola smartphone. Who has a Motorola smartphone? This woman. Is that it? I've never even heard of a Motorola smartphone. It's a Motorola G13. Like the plane? Wait, is that, that's not a thing, right? I don't know what you're talking about. Sorry, G6, that's the, that's the one. That's way off. <laughs> I was seven, seven off. Uh, she brought it home from the store and shortly thereafter was roused from her sleep when the device's flashlight suddenly activated. Sounds like a shitty phone. It sounds like a cheap-ass Motorola. Yeah. I'm looking at the website for it right now, and there is no price anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> or a button to buy it. Like, Just, hey, look at it. It's like, yeah, you want it? You want it? You can't have it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, turning off the illumination, and let's, why why you reach for a top shelf word like that? Just turning off the light. Turn it off. <laughs> Turning off the illumination and dismissing the odd event was an isolated incident. Her assumption was soon upended when when the same thing happened the following night and to her her chagrin has now occurred every evening since. It sounds like it's probably like some kind of alarm setting. That was my first thought too, yeah. (laughs) Or like, it sounds like something that like for a blind person. Or, uh, sorry, a, a deaf person, I mean. This phone is $146. Mm. Well, you get what you pay for. <laughs> yeah, no shit. Sorry, I don't know what that is in British pounds. but <laughs> I don't know what that is in British dollars. In London dollars. <laughs> <laughs> I would love it if somebody from, from London actually heard this stupid joke. And just got really offended. Yeah, and like had no idea that we were like... Just being bliss, you know, intentionally ignorant and stupid about it, and just like got so offended. Of course, anybody that gets that offended about their nationality probably deserves to be offended. That's true, because nobody, nobody cares. Oh, you were born there. Okay, what did you do? Yeah. You accomplished nothing. Yeah, having allegiance to a country just because you were born there is ridiculous. Yeah, <laughs> unless it's America. <laughs> yeah, it's like what if you were born out in the middle of like international waters? Then what? You're going to have allegiance to the sea? Everybody hates you. <laughs> I have allegiance to the sea. I look at, bel- look I belong at to boy over there. <laughs> he doesn't have a country. What a loser. Uh, Key began receiving seemingly unended, an seemingly unending stream of inexplicable texts that simply said, no probs, I not forgotten you. Okay. I mean... Is this a used phone? I think this is a used phone. Or is it like, is it a new number it, to her? Maybe. Because like maybe it's somebody else's number that got repurposed. Like they died or. Like in Seinfeld where like it's an old lady's phone number. Yeah. <laughs> is it her granddaughter or his, her granddaughter or grandson keeps calling her. Or when Kramer gets 555 film. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. Why don't you tell me the name of the movie you want to see? <laughs> um, or get call Calter, Calter. <laughs> be better if it was Cal Turk. <laughs> uh, 
Um, Nobody's named Cal Turk. <laughs> uh, did they take those out? Because of the white face? Yeah. I don't know. Because they took out the black face. Yeah. Like they should have. Sure, yeah. But it seems like they should also I, take out the white face. I, I think white face is okay because, you know, fuck honkies. It doesn't seem right. <laughs> I mean, I'm not offended by such a thing, but it seems like it just like fair play. Yeah, it seems like if you should not have one, you should not have the other. Right. Yeah. Like I'm not offended by it, but it's like it's even ground here. Right. <laughs> anyway, before anyway. we go down that road, yeah, let's let's not. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. To me, this sounds like a used phone. With some kind of weird alarm setting that she didn't make and text from somebody she doesn't know. Sounds like probably a She probably bought a, a phone. refurbished $150 phone. <laughs> Maybe. She says she brought it for one from the store. Maybe somebody used the phone and like, I don't like this, and took it back. And then they're just like, well, let's sell it again. Yeah. Maybe. And didn't bother to like clear it or anything. Yeah. Or change the SIM card. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the messages she l- lamented. Started coming through every blooming minute. <laughs> In case you forgot where this took place. <laughs> uh, which ultimately rendered the device inoperable. The whole thing is really spooky, the 80-year-old mused. Oh, oh, here we go. That explains a lot. It does explain <laughs> so much. Uh, it's like it's haunted. Things, that, things like that scare you at my age. Uh, a psychic medium enlisted to consult on her situation. Stop. <laughs> so she didn't take it to the Geek Squad or the a- Apple Genius. <laughs> it was Motorola. Sure. Probably take it to like a... But she didn't go to uh, the Motorola guy. Genius or the, <laughs> the Motorola Mind Master. Mind Master. <laughs> <laughs> no, she calls in a psychic medium. Yep. A psychic medium enlisted to consult on her situation indicated the predicament is probably technical rather than paranormal in nature. If your psychic is telling you that, that means you have made the dumbest decision. (laughs) Hang on, there's a but. (laughs) That said, mystic Tita Martell left open the possibility that the phone could be possessed. Possessed! Since anything can become haunted in theory. <laughs> Just leaving the door open a crack for a payout somewhere. Yep. Just here, I, I reset your settings. But if you ever get a weird text again, call me. <laughs> like, by the way, just just so I have it, what's your phone number? <laughs> oh, man. I feel like so many of these kinds of stories pop up because old people don't know what they're doing. Yeah. Because they don't understand the future. Technology. (laughs) And so they blame ghosts. Right. Or aliens. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's the same thing that happened in the dark ages. Like people who didn't understand science are like, oh, it's witchcraft. Yeah. (laughs) I don't understand this newfangled thing. So it's clearly ghosts. Mm Mm-hmm. Or evil spirits or something, yeah. Dagnabbit. <laughs> That's how they talked back then. Right. Back in 19 diggity two. 
<laughs> I saw somebody who got a tattoo. Dude, I saw the same thing. It's <laughs> awesome. The Abe Simpson one? Yeah. And it was him just tell- a long banner? T- yeah, yeah. Telling the story of when he you know had an onion on his belt, because that was the style at the time. And it's just the whole speech all the way down his leg. I was one like, there's those no yellow way. onions. I was like, there's no way it's still going. Yeah. <laughs> How long is this guy's fucking leg? Right? It was like a fucking Zucker Brothers gag. <laughs> it's like uh, in, uh, yeah, like uh, Naked Gun 33 and a third. And Nicole Smith, it's like just going up her leg. And it just takes, just like keeps going up, keeps going up. And like see a knee and then it keeps going up. And then you see another knee. <laughs> it keeps going up. It's like that. Yeah. That's what it was like. Pretty much, yeah. But yeah, that uh that's some that's some classic Simpsons stuff right there. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh anyway, I hope uh London. Hope, hope Diane Keaton figured her phone out. Yeah. She's not being haunted anymore. Next time just call your grandkids. Right. They will help they, you they set will, it up. They will help you. They'll be like, all right, grand. Because that's what they say. They do. They say that. <laughs> Keep your hair on. Put on spot of tea. <laughs> I got this. <laughs> it took us half, half an hour to get through fucking real world horror. I mean, not just real world horror, real world horror, but to get to that point, people love real world horror. It's it's our version of true crime. It's true. Yeah. All right, so we've talked about the new Saw movie several times, of course, called Socks. Yeah, go Socks from Boston. <laughs> oh God, I was watching this. The uh, Kid likes watching the show called Doc McStuffins. Have you heard of it? I've heard of it. It's this little girl who pretends she's a doctor for her toys and stuffed animals. She had this toy crab who, for whatever reason, had a Boston accent. Yeah, it's a Boston crab. Hmm? It's a Boston crab. Okay, I guess I didn't put that together. I guess his fucking arm fell off, and he's like, oh, shit, what did he say? He was like, it hurts wicked bad. He said wicked, something something was wicked something. I, I, I can't remember what he said, but it was like, why? <laughs> this is nuts. No, like, children are not going to understand this reference. Why? <laughs> or your son's just going to start talking with a Boston accent. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently, kids who watch Bluey or start Peppa. Talking with an Australian accent? Yep. Or Peppa Pig, they start talking with a British accent. <laughs> I really hope your son starts talking with the Boston accent. That would make me laugh so hard. <laughs> hey, Dad, I'm wicked hungry. Say hi to Mother for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so socks. Uh, it's too fucking hot in here. Uh, celebrates the, oh, God, celebrates the 20th anniversary of the franchise. Nope. Nope. <laughs> nope. I don't, think it, I don't think it does. That doesn't sound right. Nope. It can't be because I'm only 20. So (laughs) I'm a little boy. (laughs) 
I'm not a man. I'm not. I'm not like. Err. <laughs> Uh, with a direct sequel to the first movie, what would it? What kind of grave plot episode would it be without a Mulaney reference? Without multiple Mulaney reference, right? Yeah, we'll probably get them, get more in there somewhere. Uh, we, we had two. That's true. Because you yeah, said, mm, said gross. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, so this is a sequel to the original classics. I guess this is a legacy sequel. Does it? But I don't think it retcons anything. So this takes so place between the, one and two. I don't I don't understand this. This is getting as confusing as fucking Halloween or Texas Chainsaw. Like the whole thing is so jumbled and stupid. Apparently the MPA also referred to this as Jigsaw 2, if you want to get a little more confused. <laughs> Which when did Jigsaw take place? Was that after part one? Um, was that between one and two? Let's see Jigsaw. I think that was pr- uh, like a prequel. Was it? Okay, I think that, so. If I'm thinking of the right movie, which it's, it's so hard to keep them separate. They're pretty much the same fucking thing. Yeah. <laughs> Once it just became about the torture and not like the the plot, then it's just they're all they're all the same. Right. Uh, so this is is going to you know take it back allegedly. Uh, Tobin Bell is obviously back as Jigsaw, and Kevin Grutert, who I think is the director. Uh, he told Empire that Kramer is the center of the story. Uh, uh, he goes on to explain that Saw X will feature John Kramer, a.k.a. Jigsaw, more than in any other Saw. How are they going to explain that he's 20 years older? Uh, well, he's not, because it hasn't been 20 years. <laughs> right. That doesn't make any sense. Of course, my mistake. <laughs> How could it possibly be 20 years? It, 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 because there has not been 20 years since the first movie, because that's just insane. Right. There's that, no way this could be 20 that years. That would make me 40. And that's, <laughs> there's no way I'm 40. <laughs> uh, Grutert elaborates, Saw X is, or sorry, Sox is an emotional journey. Sox! That, <laughs> that you go on with John Kramer, and less a slaughterhouse that you experience from the point of view of the victims. Well, that's a plus, I guess. Uh, obviously, there will be people that can't handle it, but I think it has a good chance of appealing to people beyond gore freaks. I don't even know if gore freaks are really all that interested in these anymore. Yeah. Because I'm a gore freak, and I tell you... You I still lost, have some kind of story. Yeah. I lost interest after Saw 2. When I saw Saw 3, I'm just like, this is... This is, this is, this is nah, this ain't no good. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Shawnee Smith will also be returning to the franchise as Amanda Young. Shawnee. <laughs> From Boston. <laughs> Is she from Boston? I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea where she's from, actually. Uh, where she was? Orangeburg, South Carolina. Oh, uh, I mean, I'd say you, you can get further away, but... That's that's pretty far away. It's pretty far away. Yeah, at least well, it's on the same coast. At least. Oh wait, yeah, she's got a southern accent. Does she? Well, she either hides she it. She did or it, has Becker. F- yeah, yeah, Becker. <laughs> <laughs> I totally forgot about Becker. Uh good old Ted Danson playing a curmudgeon. Ah, uh, the Ted Danson machine. Ted Danson was basically playing House before House was a thing. Yeah, just a. Uh, He's an asshole doctor. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Uh, yeah, but this is, I, I'm assuming this is before she turned into Saw 2. 
Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's see. Um, Lionsgate teases the return of Tobin Bell to the franchise furthers Lionsgate and Twisted Pictures goal of a film that captures everything Saw fans love about the franchise while also keeping them guessing with all new traps and a new mystery to solve. Do you mean somebody else's jigsaw? Somebody is. It's like it's like Scream. Somebody is. Somebody else is always jigsaw. Right. Or somebody else is always in his honor or whatever. Yeah. And it's like you want you know I don't know why you want to know why. Because Jigsaw died in part two. Yeah. <laughs> or is it part three? I, th- I think it was part three. Either way, everyone after that, it was always somebody else because he was dead. I watched it He's happen. still in the movie, but he's dead. Yeah, it's, it's flashbacks. Right. It's not just like, they don't just like show his body or anything. Right. <laughs> That'd be morose. Oh, <laughs> uh, there was one, was it Saw 4, maybe, where... It, the poster was like his corpse and it had a bunch of like gizmos and who's it's all over it. I think that was four. I don't know. They all kind of run together. Yeah. It doesn't matter. <laughs> what was the one where like there was the, the cop that was investigating it. And then at the end he's like, Oh, by the way, I'm jigsaw now. And yeah. Like, that was like, why? <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't he and like, then, then Scream, the people who make Scream was like, oh, that's a good idea. Let's do that. Yeah. Sorry. Scream, six spoiler. <laughs> Whoops. Uh, I was investigating myself the whole time. Uh, I'll never expect me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, step between the events. <laughs> Between the events of Saw 1 and 2, a sick and desperate John travels to Mexico for a risky and experimental medical procedure in hopes of a miracle cure for his cancer, only to discover the entire operation is a scam to defraud the most vulnerable. Is it's it? the thing that Andy Kaufman did. Just Andy Kaufman. <laughs> or they just pretend to dig chicken guts out of your yeah, stomach. exactly. I love that scene in Man on the Moon where he notices and he just goes, <laughs> yeah. Like, eh, wish I thought of that. Right. Uh, John Kramer is back for the untold chapter of Jigsaw's final games. The infamous killer returns to his work, turning the tables on the con artist in his signature visceral way through devious, deranged, and ingenious traps. So I guess how they're going to explain him looking older is that he's just, he's still very he's, sick. He's dying. Yeah, dying, dying, dying. So he goes to Mexico, and he sees these guys are con artists, and then he locks them up and asks them to play a game. Yeah. That's kind of how it sounds. Uh, obviously, or it's like, uh, what's that, uh, uh uh, what now? <laughs> trying to think of sp- uh, quiero, uh, qu- quieres ganar? No, that's win. Un juego? Un juego. What's, what's play? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, jugar. Juego's juice. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, wait. is it? No, juego is game. Is it? Okay. I don't know what I'm thinking of. So it's, quieres jugar un juego. Yeah. see. That doesn't make any sense because you're saying jugar is, juego is a conjugation of jugar. I think it's just quieres... 
Juego. I want a game? No, sorry. Uh, no, quieres un juego? Do you want to play? So wait, this is a Mandela effect thing. Does he say, do you want to play a game or I want to play a game? Oh, you know what? I think it is. I, I want to play a game. So that would be quiero un juego. Quiero jugar un juego, according to Google Translate. It is. Okay. I, that seems like a doubling up, but all right. If it, what's I play? Juego. So if you say I play a game, it's yo juego un juego? Yep, apparently. <laughs> so either Google's translate is wrong or I will say weird. I will say that often Google Translate is wrong. <laughs> yeah, it's it's definitely not hundred percent. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway, uh rated Mexico. R- obviously <laughs> obviously this is rated R. Uh, for sequences of grisly, bloody violence and torture, language, and some drug use. Oh, man. For the... Doing the smoky beer. Smoke some weird. <laughs> uh, if anyone still cares, this is coming to theaters on September 29th. If anybody still cares after us, like, just, like, just ripping trashing it. <laughs> But also, if our opinion has swayed you, you are of a weak mind. (laughs) We're going to lock you up and ask you if you want to play a game. No, we want to play. Damn it. All right, so anybody who is knows anything about horror knows what Hammer films are. Uh, of course, they ran through, I'd say, like the early 60s, actually even to the 50s, I think, all the way through like the 80s. Very popular Hammer horror films. Basically, just kind of like the British version of like Universal Monster movies. Uh, very British take on them. Uh, very dry. Very so lots of, lots of tea. Yeah. <laughs> Christopher Lee is in all of them, right? Um, but uh, in some cases, with some franchises that are even more popular than the you know the American Universal versions. Um, but. Uh, <clears throat> Seemed like they tried to make a little bit of a comeback in kind of like the early to mid 2000s. Uh, I think the first one I can remember them making where I recognized the hammer uh, um, logo. Lo- logo name, where I saw the hammer name on a film in a very long time was uh, The Woman in Black. Oh, I, yeah. I can't recall seeing any since then, though. Um, I'm sure there have been, but apparently. Uh, they have been bought out, or they, they have a new owner as of late, uh, and have now started uh, grinding the gears once again. As a tour. Yeah. Uh, actually, is that the right term? Not, not grinding gears. Uh, turning, turning, turning. Turning gears? Gears are, gears gears, turning, gears are in motion. They're in motion. <laughs> you know what gears do. Yeah. They turn. And they grind. <laughs> they grind. Well, they only they really they only grind if they're worn down. Yeah, they shouldn't grind. They should probably replace the gears. 
Yeah. And then get them in motion. And the gears turn and you start playing. Turn! There you go. <laughs> and then they start going. Because that's, that's the song that plays whenever you watch gears turn. Isn't that song called like Power Tool or something like that? I have no idea. I don't even know how to Google that. <laughs> Bugs Bunny conveyor belt song. <laughs> I'll bet you it comes up. Keep talking. <laughs> okay. Um, you know what song I don't know how to Google, and I can't think of any specific reference to it, is, you know, every time you, like, you see like a cartoon that takes place on a farm, it's like, Duh. This doesn't sound right. Oh, wait. Oh, for fuck's sake. I don't think this is the right one. Oh, there we go. Powerhouse. Powerhouse. Okay. And yes, first thing that came up when I Googled <laughs> really? Bugs Bunny conveyor <laughs> belt song. But yeah, another song that I cannot, I don't know how to Google it because I don't know the title. The only thing I can think of is that it's like in a lot of Looney Tunes cartoons and I've tried Googling like Looney Tunes farm song, but it's like, Duh. wait, shit. I can hear it in my head, but now I got to try and like sing it. Looney Tunes farm song. I'm not sure I know it. Oh, fuck. Like. No, it's not coming out right. <laughs> Does that ever happen to you? Like you've got a tune in your head and you can't sing it right? What you just sang sounded like yakety sax. No, it wasn't sax. Oh, <laughs> yakety sax. Anyway. <laughs> Hammer Films. Uh, Variety is reporting this morning that, well, I don't know what morning this is. Variety is reporting that British theater producer John Gore has acquired... so much British in this freaking episode today? <laughs> Maybe it's because uh, sag after is on strike. That's true. Only, only the Brits can act. Yep. I mean, if you ask them, that's always the case. Oh! Because oh. <laughs> Brits are snobby. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. He's acquired Hammer Films and Studios, and he'll lead a new team aiming to revitalize the legendary brand. Under Gore's management, the plan is to invest significantly in Hammer Films to breathe new life into the studio, blending the nostalgic charm of Hammer with modern cinematic style and innovation, while preserving its heritage and library. Library. Ooh, your face is red like a strawberry. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Variety's exclusive report. Well, this uh, a new slate of films and projects will be unveiled imminently. Imminently, immediately. Why do why do, why do Brits have to be so different? <laughs> I just can't think of a lot of American publications that would use the word imminently unless they have to. It's soon. Yeah. It's like just just put it out there. I don't want to have to pull out a dictionary to read a fucking article. <laughs> um, first up is the Eddie Izzard starring Dr. Jekyll. Interesting pick. Uh, set for release later this year. Uh, Izzard stars as Dr. N- oh, okay. Stocks, stars as Dr. Nina Jekyll in the Hammer Studios slash Be Good Picture Company feature film Dr. Jekyll 
a modern interpretation of Robert Louis Stevenson's iconic novella, The Strange Case of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Is he? I mean, I know he was always trans, but has he gone? Is he, is he I don't know what his, trans I don't know now? what his pronouns are. Sorry, I don't know what their pronouns are. Mm-hmm. Um... Oh, well, that's it. Um, so, yeah. Apparently, Eddie Izzard uh, identifies as her. Oh, really? Yeah. I wonder if that's a recent thing. Um, does not say. Okay. Well, good for her. Oh, 2019 is is when she she announced. Well, when asked in 2019 what pronoun she preferred, Lizard responded either he or she. So, I guess he or she. Okay. Well, there you go. Uh, yeah, Hammer films. I personally never really got into Hammer films. Me neither. It's not like I really, I didn't really dislike them. It just, yeah, it wasn't like too British. Yeah. <laughs> Although they were very British. A lot of them are very British. Yeah. Dracula was like stirring blood into his tea and stuff. It was mm, weird. Yeah. It just, like, we get it. You guys like tea. I don't know. 13's my limit. <laughs> yeah. I know there are a lot of people like prefer like the Christopher Lee Dracula to, to any other Dracula. And I'm just like, nah. I love Christopher Lee, but like, come on, Bella Lugosi, man. Lugosi or even Gary Oldman. Sure. Both better than Christopher Lee. I'm sorry. Sorry, not sorry. Because I'm not sorry. Or fucking Leslie Nielsen. Like, <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, yeah. So later this year, look up for look out for the first uh, outing of the new and improved Maybe horror films or hammer horror. Look out for the hammer. They're going to drop the hammer on you. The sledgehammer. Like, like Peter Gabriel. Like Peter Gabriel. Yeah. <laughs> he sang that song. <laughs> yeah. Um, it goes. <laughs> 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 sledgehammer. <laughs> Wait, I think I had it. <laughs> Nope, still didn't sound right. Like I feel like I need to play it on like a fiddle for it to sound right. (laughs) (laughs) I don't have one. Sorry. Damn it! I left mine at home. I usually bring one with me, but you know, of course, when I need it. (laughs) Not even your travel fiddle. (laughs) My pocket fiddle unfolds. Right, so I know we've talked before about the Toxic Avenger remake, or reboot, or whatever it really is, uh, but we've got our first plot synopsis. Uh, this, of course, is coming from Macon Blair, who made, I don't know, or Macon Bacon, as he likes to be called. he likes to be called. Um, this is, I, well, I jumping ahead, Kevin Bacon is in this. So this is really the first Macon Bacon production. 
Excellent. <laughs> uh, Macon Blair of I Don't Feel at Home in This World Anymore and the fantastic movie Green Room uh, will be directing the upcoming remake. The film is premiering at Fantastic Fest in Austin uh, this month, which runs from September 21st to 28th. I don't know exactly what date it's premiering, but if you're going, then keep an eye out for it. I've heard that Fantastic Fest is fantastic. fantastic. It it looks fantastic. It seem it it seems cool. <laughs> uh, described as a brand new. She loved E and hated, hated water. water. Described as a brand new reimagining of Lloyd Kaufman's classic The Toxic Avenger, the film centers on Winston Goose, played by Game of Thrones star Peter Dinklage. I like I like Dinklage, but this is such a weird pick. It's definitely different. I seriously I thought when I heard he was announced for the movie, I did not pick him to play Toxie. Like I thought he yeah. was gonna play like maybe the villain or something. It would be funny if he was the mayor. <laughs> That'd be good. <laughs> Uh, well, the original film, which premiered... Nope, not going to read that. That's bullshit. That's, I don't like that. Mm, there's there's no way this movie is 40 years old. Because that would mean I am 40 years old, and I'm clearly not 40 years old. I wouldn't put you a day over, like, 30, 38, 39. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Obviously. Uh, followed the fate of Melvin Ferd Junko Third. I didn't know he was a third. I didn't know his name was Ferd. I guess I didn't know that either. <laughs> uh, who I just watched that the other day. The first one, anyway. Who goes from zero to toxic hero in a case of bullying gone awry. Macon Blair's contemporary take follows a hideously deformed creature of superhuman size and strength all his own. Peter Dinklage stars, down, stars as downtrodden janitor Winston Goose, who after falling into a vat of toxic waste becomes none other than the Toxic Avenger. This timely reimagining is up to its eyeballs in environmental themes as Winston goes against the evil forces of greed and corruption to save his son, his friends, and his community. Oh, great. Toxie's gone woke. <laughs> Lloyd Kaufman would be rolling over in his grave if he were dead. <laughs> Man, him and... Who's, who's Uncle Lloyd going to play in this? That's the million-dollar question. The mayor? He could be the mayor. <laughs> It's funny you watch like I I just watched um, Spaceballs recently, and I just watched Toxic Avenger the other day, and it just it cracks me up how much two Jewish directors include so much Nazi, jo- so many Nazi jokes in their movies. Yeah, just like wow. <laughs> it's, I mean, I guess it's one of those things where like you got to laugh at it, take away the power. <sighs> I mean, I guess. I mean, Hitler's already dead, so what power are you really taking away? Man, Nazis aren't. That's true. Let's see. Even as the story exists on its own terms, the spirit undoubtedly remains connected to the original. Trauma fans old and new will be pleased to know that the film has been rated R for violence and gore as per trauma tradition. I think that was actually a quote from Lloyd, if I remember correctly. Uh, specifically, the movie is rated R for strong violence and gore, language throughout, sexual references, and brief graphic graphic nudity. Why do I feel like that's going to be a dick? Because it's going to be Peter Dinklage's dink. <laughs> Peter Dinklage is going to hang dong, everybody. It's going to be Peter's Dinklage. <laughs> yep. It's going to be dong. Because that's the only graphic nudity... 
like all, all, of all the different kinds of nudity that there could be, I feel like that's the only graphic nudity that could be brief. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this movie also stars Elijah Wood, Julia Davis, Taylor Page, Kevin Bacon, and Jacob Tremblay. Jacob Tremblay. Like I know who that is, but I just can't put a face to it. He's a, he's a little kid. That, yeah, okay. Not him. He's a little kid. Oh. Now you're the little kid. <laughs> oh, he's he's Luca. From what? from Luca. That was Luca. It is a cartoon. Oh. It's a cartoon movie. Yeah. It's about a kid who's a mermaid or something. Sounds, I don't know. I never saw it. <laughs> sounds good. <laughs> no, he was in uh he was in Doctor Sleep. I'm like one of the worst scenes I've ever seen. <laughs> Still gives me chills. Uh, and he was in. Um, he was in Before I Wake. Good, good, good boys or, or bad. Good, good boys gone bad. Good boys or bad. Good boys. Good boys. Yeah, that was a pretty funny movie. It was like super bad, except with little kids. That's what I've heard. He's also in The Predator. Was he? And The Smurfs too. I haven't seen it. And Leatherface. Look at me, I'm Leatherface. And Santa's little ferrets. Oh, good. <laughs> okay. And Donald Trump's The Art of the Deal, the movie. <laughs> With Johnny Depp? Uh, yep. And Pat Oswalt. As Merv Griffin. <laughs> Have you watched uh, the season finale of uh, What We Do in the Shadows? Not yet. Oh. Patton makes an appearance. Does he? Yeah. Nice. Actually, I think the final finale is like a two-parter because they drop two episodes at the same time. Mm. Um, and he's in God damn it. He's in one or the other. I can't remember. Toxie! Yeah. <laughs> if you have ghosts, you have everything. If you have ghosts, you have everything you can say anything you want and you can do all right so back in the early 2000s so probably like five years ago yeah right yeah <laughs> um there was a little film that came out called 13 ghosts starred monk and the girl from american pie and shaggy and shaggy <laughs> Or uh, what the hell is his name from um, SLC Punk? Uh, Steve-O. Steve-O, that's right. Uh, which was actually a remake. I think this is just a remake. I think this is before the term reimagining existed. Yeah. <laughs> remake of an old William Cassim film from the 60s. 50s? 60s. I believe it was the 60s. Um, and... Uh, yeah, I don't know. It seemed like it kind of got shit on critically over the years. I didn't love it. Really? We did it on the show. I know. I just guess I don't remember you not liking it. I, don't, like, I didn't hate it, but it, yeah, I didn't really care for it that much. Oh, I, I really like it. Like, I really love, like, the visuals of it. Sure. But I just thought the story was a little a little over overcooked. Well, you know, can't always be right. You can't always be right. <laughs> Um, but no, yeah, the, uh, I, I, I liked it quite a bit. Um, it was kind of around this time where 
like House on Haunted Hill. Basically, they were just like remaking all these William Castle properties. And I really liked House on Haunted Hill, but I, I really liked 13 Ghosts. And it's, it's hard to pick which one I like more. But anyway, uh, I guess Dark Castle, which is apparently still a thing. I didn't realize it, but um, they view 13 Ghosts as the crown jewel of their library. And as well a property, as well as a property that is long overdue for a resurrection. Uh, Dread Soul Central has teased an upcoming Thirteen Ghosts TV series, which is reportedly in development. That could be cool. Could be cool. Uh, the proposed project <coughs> comes courtesy of Patrick M- Mediate. I almost said meditate. Mediate. Yeah. Mediate. Mediati. Probably Mediati. Yeah. Yeah. It's probably Italian. (laughs) (laughs) Gotta make it fancy. Mediate. This cracks me up. When somebody's referring, like, in text or something, referring to something Italian, and they always use that hand gesture. (laughs) There's a guy in the Mariners, Dominic Canzone, and whenever he gets a base hit, he's like. Um, uh, Patrick. Mediate, Mediate. Primordial P- Pictures, Aaron McLean, McClane, <laughs> uh, and Ashley Robinson. Uh, Dread Central notes that their exclusive report, in their exclusive report, that the trio working, trio is working in direct conjunction with Dark Castle Entertainment on an extensive pitch that will essentially allow each of the film's ghosts to get their own episode of a TV series. Are you saying Dark Castle? <laughs> the gothic asshole yeah that's what i said um okay i i, I like that because would it be like their backstory like how they died stuff i maybe I, yeah i guess that that i think that would be the best use of it yeah because They didn't. They didn't just make a movie like with these characters. They actually wrote backstories for all of them, and they were included uh, as DVD extras. So if you like, I mean, you can look them up online at this point. But like back then, if you had the DVD, you could watch all the extras. And there was actually a pretty lengthy backstory on all the ghosts, like how you know how they lived, who they were before they died, and kind of how their ghost factors into the Dark Kodiak. Codex. Kodiak. <laughs> dark. Is it the dark, dark Codex? Anyway. Um, so if I were pitching a show, that's probably what I would do. But um, let's see. Sony currently, currently owns a portion of the rights to 13 Ghosts. And without Sony's approval, Dark Castle is unable to actually bring this planned television series to life. There's always something. It's always Sony. It's always Sony. Man, Sony really fucking scored when they bought like Columbia and TriStar and all those film companies because they got everything. Like, you don't really realize how many movies from like the fucking 70s and 80s that Columbia and and TriStar and who else? Um, There was another studio, I think. But. You know how many were made by those studios that Sony inherited when they bought the company? Yeah, <laughs> like Ghostbusters. Um, 
Anyway, uh, the project project was actually pitched to Sony shortly before the WGA strike began, but again, there can be no forward momentum on those talks at this time. Uh, if Sony and Dark Castle can come to some kind of agreement, either Sony joins forces with Dark Castle, blah, 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 or they merely... So, okay, so it sounds like either they, you know, hop on production or they license out the property. Um, they're going to use the ending of the 2001 movie as a springboard for a deep dive into the mythology of each of the monsters. Okay. Uh, Bloody Disgusting has been told that fan favorite character known as the Jackal... The jackal? Is it jackal? It's a jackal. There's no jackal. <laughs> Go back to sleep. There's no jackal, Michael. Um, Brad Pitt! <laughs> uh, would be a major player in the series. By the way, did you see that Mike Birbiglia is doing a show in Walla Walla? I did. He's like, my first time back since I jumped through the window. <laughs> I'm the Hulk. I'm the Hulk. <laughs> Waya Waya Washington. <laughs> um, uh, Jack will play a major character in the series, and the plan is to also develop, delve into the creation of the machine that was built to contain the various ghosts, known as the Basilius machine. Ba- Basilus. Basilus. Bas- Basilus. I like Basilius because it has silly in it. Because <laughs> it's so silly. Could be Basilius. I don't remember. That sounds more uh, Latin. Latin, <laughs> uh, as well as the- and you never read the Latin, right? Unless it's like in a Bible or something. No, no, no! Don't read the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> but what if you're like a priest? You kind of have to. Well, then get a new job. <laughs> I realize you're probably making way more money than the rest of us, but. <laughs> Even though you, quote, live in poverty. Yeah. <clears throat> Don't pay taxes. Um, anyway. <laughs> uh, but, 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 see, known as, see, Basilius. Various ghosts known as Basilius Machine, as well as the ancient book that served as the film's Necronomicon, the Arcanum. I could have sworn there were two words there. Arcanum something. Arcanum Liberate. Sure. Arcanum Liberace. Arcanum Necronomicon. Uh, Mediati also teased that an AR component to the series, which sounds like something the original 13 Ghost director William Castle would be playing uh, playing with if you were alive today. Definitely. William Castle, if you're not familiar, I mean, fucking pull your head out of your ass. He was the guy who always put, like, gags in the theater. If you watch the movie Matinee with John Goodman, that was John Goodman's character is basically William Castle. <clears throat> um, 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 um. Yeah, this, their, their wiki just says Arcanum. Oh, okay. Contains spells, capturing and summoning ghosts, profiles on the 13 ghosts of the Black Zodiac. Black Zodiac, that's the one I was trying to think of. And blueprints for creating a mansion-like machine which to open and gain control over the Ocularis Infernum. Mm-hmm. That's the... Uh, I have, I have, I have, the, I have hell. I have hell. Yeah. Liberate tutame ex inferis. Save yourself from hell. Event Horizon. Yep. Yeah. You seen it? <laughs> <laughs> we should. 
Yeah, we already did. <laughs> we did? <laughs> we did. Oh, wait, you know what? I'm thinking of, thinking about uh, In the Mouth of Madness. Oh. That's sort of... It's the one we talked about doing and never did. Yeah, because of uh, fucking Silas. Yeah. <laughs> fucking dick. <laughs> uh, Mediati. Also, t- oh, yeah, I already read this. Um, the concept would be for an AR technology to allow fans to invite the show's ghost into their own home. Why did you do that? Why would you, you invite ghosts in your home? You know, Kevin just got a little boner right now reading about this. <laughs> he fucking loves his AR. <laughs> AR is like 3D. <laughs> Nobody's going to care about it in five years. Probably. <laughs> uh, bringing ghosts into their own home, playing with the ghost of your gimmick. That was, ah, the used word gimmick. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> uh, the ghost of your gimmick that was employed in both the 1960 and 2001 movies. You know the word gimmick existed before wrestling, right? I know, but the way that they used it makes it sound like wrestling. Ah. Because it... <clears throat> The way they use it makes it sound like they're using it to like explain the, the ghost viewer gimmick. You know, the ghost viewer gimmick that you wear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So when they showed, when the original um, 13 Ghosts came out, uh, there was, at the theater, I think you were given basically like 3D glasses. And at certain points in, in the film, you were supposed to put them on and then it would allow you to see the ghosts on screen. Um. And I think it was just like a 3D thing. So I think you could probably still see them even without the glasses, but it just, you know, created a cool effect when you had them on. In the 2001 movie, it was actually, that element was actually incorporated into the movie um, in that the characters had specially made like viewing glasses to allow them to see ghosts. And I always thought that was one, that's like, such a cool, like, simple prop. I've always wanted one of those, like, a pair of those glasses. Yeah, they with, like, the lights on the sides. Yeah. It's just something you could put on a shelf and just say, yeah. It's from 13 Ghosts. It's pretty, pretty cool, cool, right? Yeah. yeah. Anyway, you, you want to go out to dinner or <laughs> some chicken? Anyway, I, if, if this comes to pass, I, I, I'm on board because I, I, I liked that movie. And if they're continuing that movie specifically... I, I I would definitely like to see more because even the backstories that they provided on the uh, DVD extras was really interesting, and I, I really liked that the you know the company or the produce production team went to that length to kind of create a backstory for the film. So could be pretty uh, pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I like the the visuals and stuff of it, so I think this might be a little more up my alley than. All of the complicated stuff about the machine and the eyes and the taxi drivers. Taxi drivers? Yeah, because it was from Wings. Oh. <laughs> Antonio Scarpacci. Antonio Scarpacci. I couldn't remember his name. All right, so one thing we're not going to do when we're in California, unfortunately, is Halloween Horror Nights. Yeah, I mean, if we were there longer, I'd definitely be into it, but... Yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, But it's around that time. They're starting to roll out the mazes. I will say, if I had known in advance 
that it was going to turn into like a foursome vacation, probably would have planned for a longer time. Yeah. Because it was just supposed to be the two of us, but then your girlfriend's coming and now my wife's coming. So it's kind of turned into a whole thing. Yeah. So, yeah. Now it's just a swingers thing. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> Oh, I will say it would probably be pretty hard to get my wife away from her kid for a, for a week. That's, yeah. Uh, yeah, so there's some new stuff, including a new live show coming to Halloween Horror Nights this year. It's called The Purge, colon, Dangerous Waters. Boo! Purge or colon. Boo! <laughs> With dangerous waters. <laughs> With dangerous waters. So it's it's about getting an enema. <laughs> That's what watching a Purge movie is like. <laughs> uh, Purge Dangerous Waters takes the blockbuster film franchise into an entirely new environment, open waters, in an all-new live show. It's a race against time when a politician and his entourage, his entourage <laughs> escape to an island to avoid the Purge. Like Vinny Chase? Yep. In drama? Vinny Chase and Turtle? Turtle are all there. E oh, is also there. The whole gang. Uh, Ari is there. He's yelling at people. Yelling at Lloyd. Yep. Who's also there? Lloyd, Lloyd is also there. Mrs. Ari is there. <laughs> um, that bitch Dana from Warner Brothers, she's there. <laughs> Everybody's there. It's a whole entourage gimmick. It's a whole entourage purge. Uh, Sanctuary is fleeting when the island is quickly overrun by purgers. And the hunt is on. That was not well planned. <laughs> uh, located in the Waterworld venue, obviously. Duh. Uh, and featuring adrenaline-filled action sequences, stunts, spectacular lighting, and laser effects, high fall fire burns, and massive explosions, the Purge colon Dangerous Waters celebrates an evening of anarchy without thought of punishment or fear of retribution. Except for the people in attendance. You can't like run out there and start chopping people. Right. They don't like that. No, they, they, they don't like when you do that. <laughs> Imagine you just run out there and you're just like, ah! <laughs> they're like dragging you out. You're like, I thought it was the purge. <laughs> you said no laws. <laughs> uh, another new concept is Blumhouse. Boo. Colon. Behind the screams. Which, how many times has behind the screams been used? A thousand. Like, like so many. Thousand and one thousand and four. Thousand. <laughs> yep. Like Chris Jericho is the man of thousand and four holds. <laughs> okay. Oh, you you don't remember that? That was a long time ago. That was like in the nineties. Because you remember Dean Malenko? Yeah. He's the man of a thousand holds. So Chris Jericho claimed he was the man of a thousand and four holds. Ah. <laughs> and then he brought out this list. It was like a big long <laughs> list, and it was like, you know, Boston Crab, Arm Bar, Figure Four, Arm Bar. <laughs> Uh, Blumhouse Behind the Screams is an original concept that showcases a selection of Blumhouse horror films, including the highly anticipated film Five Nights at Freddy's and The Exorcist colon Believer. I don't, I don't, I'm not anticipating uh, either of those movies. No, me neither. Especially oh, since I saw the trailer for that Exorcist. That does not look good. It's not, it does not look good. Uh, and fan-loving hits like Megan and the Black Phone. Wait, those movies love fans? That's what I got out of that. It says fan-loving movies. That's how I understand it, yeah. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, this unique experience breaks the fourth wall and invites guests to explore these films as they step through the silver screen for an up-close look, up look at authentic film props, costume displays, and terrifying character encounters. Just burn it and burn it all down. So it's Mopop with, with people jumping out. Are there... Right? Film props, costume displays, and terrifying counter character encounters. Oh, yeah. Okay, I guess I... Guess I shut off before he said that. <laughs> so it's just scared to death at Mopop with people jumping out of you. Okay. Sounds that way. Uh, more How ex- dope would fucking scared to death be with people like jumping just out? Is Rob Bookta jumping out of the screen when he's the zombie? <laughs> yeah. Uh, be, I mean, I guess there's a liability thing in place because, you know, these are priceless props, but if they could do something like that, it'd be pretty sweet. Like at least around Halloween. Yeah. Especially like the part where there's all the bodies hanging from the roof. Like you just had somebody hide in there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Or there's like the full body Jason suit or the full body alien suit. Just have somebody in there and just jump out. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> scary. Ah. <laughs> I am scaring you. <laughs> More terror will come to life in three new scare zones designed to torment guests as they navigate their way through Halloween Horror Nights. These include El Terror de los Momias a Latin-themed scare zone, and an extension of the Monstros, the Monsters of Latin America haunted house that takes guests on a desperate attempt to escape an ancient army of unearthed mummies. Oh, mummies, okay. Are there a lot of Latin mummies? I mean, Isn't that really more of an Egypt thing? Well, I mean, if people die in the desert, they just kind of turn into mummies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they don't have to be, like, fucking, like, wrapped up. Mummies. Just be like petrified mummies. Yeah, I guess that's true. Uh, Located on New York Street, the Toys with a Z scare zone dares guests to play in the toy box of terror where a wicked toy maker used a wicked toy maker (laughs) used dark magic to bring his evil toys to life. Okay. Mm. So it's Puppet Master? Kind of sounds like it. Or like evil toys. Why is it toys with a evil evil toys? Yeah. Is it Evil Toys? Isn't there also a movie called Toy Box of Terror? I don't recall. I feel like I've seen that before. Demonic Toys, that's the one. There you go. Whoa, watch out for the microphone. Hey, hey hot mic. Um, oh, hey, they spelled it with a Z because they didn't want people to think it was the, based on the Robin Williams LL Cool J movie. <clears throat> you know what? If it was, I'd be there. I'd be more inclined to go. Yeah. Remember LL Cool J would just like hide? Yep. Like he would just camouflage himself? Yeah, he had like any... any, any any necessary combination of camouflage colors he needed. Yeah, he any texture, any pattern, he had it. Yeah. He was very prepared. Um, and then Dumbledore was his dad. <laughs> yes. And, um, um, oh, God, Jane Cusack was also there. Joan. Joan, that's what I said. <laughs> uh, she, was, she was also there. She was also in it. <laughs> um, a welcome wagon of ghosts... Also with a Z for some reason. Was it, is it the 90s again? We're going to start spelling extreme without an E? I don't know, man. I don't know what's happening in this world. <laughs> um, a welcome wagon of ghosts featuring a horde of blood-soaked chainsaw-wielding ghosts gather at the entrance to Halloween Horror Nights to rattle nerves. Oh, it's these fuckers again. The ones that slide on their knees and shit. And Those are cool. Oh, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hate that. <laughs> Better than the ones on stilts at fucking uh, Queen Mary guy that fucking scared me, pissed me off. 
<laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, the chainsaw one. The ones with the chainsaws are the worst because they're like they're real chainsaws. I mean, they don't have like no chains, no chains, but they're still like fucking loud ass gas engines. Yeah, and they're like revving them right next to your fucking f- face. It's like get the fuck out of here! I'm gonna kick you in the dick. So if you haven't heard the story, me and Tony went to Oogie Boogie Bash, Halloween Horror Nights, and Dark Harbor. So dope. All in one trip. And, you know, we're seasoned vets at this. Yeah. We know where the jump scares are all coming from. So nothing really got us. Oh, yeah. Except at Dark Harbor, this motherfucker on stilts comes up behind me and he's got like finger symbols or something. And he just like bangs him right next to me. And I just like jump and go, son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't I was I was mad at myself for getting scared. You had a little bit of pee. <laughs> uh the full lineup of fear continues with eight haunted houses plus the terror tram experience. Uh mazes are based on The Last of Us, Stranger Things 4, The Exorcist colon Believer, Universal Monsters colon Unmasked, uh Chucky colon Ultimate Kill Count. Evil Dead Rise. Oh, that's probably boss. Oh, yeah. Uh, Monstros, the Monsters of Latin America. Holidays with a Z in hell. What is this? What is happening? And Terror Tram, the Exterminators with a Z. Why? (laughs) Is there a theme that I'm missing here? I don't know. I don't understand it. Like I said, that's what that's what we did in the '90s when I was just born. I was so young then; I was just a baby because <laughs> I'm definitely not forty. Um. <laughs> uh, you know, having been to uh, Halloween Horror Nights, I will say that uh, if you see a, a very very long line, don't go. Uh, don't go to the haunted house or go to the maze because it's not worth it. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. It's, that's one where I would suggest if, if you can swing it, get in the, whatever their rapid pass ex- express pass is. Yeah. It's not worth the wait. It, yeah. It's, it's, it's really not. I mean, like if the lines were like a f- fraction of how long they were, sure. But just waiting in a line for like two hours to go something that's going to take you like two minutes to go through. Not worth it. Yeah. And even though it's universal and you think, this, oh, this should be like the best maze I've ever been in, it's, it's not. I mean, if it is, then that's, that's too bad. <laughs> um, I mean, if if it's a matter of, of money and you have to make a decision, go to your local haunted house. Yeah. They need the money more than universal does. Yeah. And it's probably going to be just as good. Yeah. Like it's, I mean, it's, you know, going to be like one maze basically, but it's. It's going to be good. Also, they're going to put their heart and soul into it because they have to. Also, if you live in the L.A. area or plan to travel to the L.A. area around Halloween time, there is so much more going on than fucking Halloween Horror Nights. Yeah. I would recommend Dark Harbor, but R.I.P. Yeah, you can go to Shacktober. You could go to Shacktoberfest. I have no idea if it's any good. Someone please go to Shacktoberfest and, and tell us about it. Yeah. And let us know if there are hidden bars. That is the most important part, right? <laughs> anyway. Anyway, that's horror business. It is horror business. Was that like three and a half hours? It's an hour and a half. Oh, that wasn't bad. It's, it's not great, but it's not bad. <laughs> um, 
All right. Well, it's nice that we ended on uh, talking about the uh, Queen Mary. Because, yeah, there's a nice little segue. Yeah, we'll uh, take a little little uh, trip to on the, the high seas of horror. Yeah, or horror on the high seas. Yeah, this is the, the official gimmick. Yeah, we're gonna do the horror. We're gonna do the film reviews. Is what we're yeah, that's what we're doing now. Yeah. All right, so like we said, this is uh, two films that just so happened to take place on ships. It's just a weird coincidence. Yeah, <laughs> it's not like we planned it at all, right? But they're both new movies. That's kind of the weird part. That is weird. Weird, weird, wild stuff. Isn't that weird? Uh, anyway, so we've got uh, the haunting of the Queen Mary and the last voyage of the Dem- Demeter of the Demeter. Yar. Yar. Again, no pirates. No, there are still no pirates. Although the guys on the last voyage of the Demeter, they, they, they kind of look like they could be pirates. Yeah, they're... Um, oh, what's the term? Damn it. Um, Scallywags. <laughs> no. Um, Seamen. There's a term for like a, like a sailor who ships cargo and stuff. <sighs> Fuck, I can't remember the name. Doesn't matter. All right. Anyway, uh, what sh- which one should we start with? I right, was well, since we're already on that Queen Mary kick, let's start with that. Mm. Hello. Welcome to the world famous Queen Mary. Hey. You want to go on the haunted tour? We should definitely get all these details in the book. You know, we're pretty used to stories around here. <laughs> and although we're famous for our fiction... Hello? Sometimes facts can be much stranger. Son of I need to leave the ship! If you stay here, you'll get trapped. Alright, so haunting of the Queen Mary. Uh, not the haunting, just haunting of the Queen Mary. Hang on, Tony's gonna mukbang here. <laughs> I'm just eating my fake Teddy Grahams. <laughs> uh, yeah, haunting of the Queen Mary, also called the Queen Mary, uh, also called Tobias's Queen Mary, <laughs> also called haunting of Tobias's Queen Mary. Uh, we open up in 1938. 
19 diggity do. 19 diggity do. Everybody's wearing onions on their belts, as was the style at the time. Um, There's something about yellow onions, too. Yeah. And he's talking about going on a ferry and paying with a wooden nickel. <laughs> he was going to somewhere, which is what they called Shelbyville at the time. Right. <laughs> but so we see the very famous Queen Mary. It's floating along. It's floating along. And uh, the RMS Queen Mary, I guess. What does that stand for? Royal uh, Marine something? Royal Majesty Ship, I believe. Mm. Uh, yeah, and it's, it's going through the North Atlantic Ocean. And we see people, you know, they're all partying and having a good time and everything. Oh, Royal but Mail Ship. Mail Ship? Like M A I L? Mm hmm. Huh. Is that what it was used for originally? Um, used for seagoing vessels that carry mail under contract to the British Royal Mail. I'd never heard of the Queen Mary hauling mail. Titanic was RMS as well. Titanic was an SS? I, I think SS is a, is a U.S. Des- designation. Oh. All right. Well, um, we see the captain and I don't know if it's his first mate or some other guy, but they're having this conversation about there's been an incident. Oh, SS is steamship. Hmm. Okay. None of this matters. Nope. Yeah. So the captain in this, I'll just say his first mate for lack of better knowledge. Um, they're saying, you know, there's something like that. Yeah. They're saying there's been an incident, and you know the captain is just like, well, whatever, just take care of it. And the guy's like, no, no, there's been a murder. A murder. And the guy's like, I don't have time for a murder mystery dinner right now. No, he doesn't say that. No, he doesn't say that. No. He says, what? Uh, but yeah, this guy on the ship has gone on a rampage, um, and he, you know, they put him up in the brig, but he he escaped and he is running around with an axe. He had a straight coat on, which is apparently something they just keep on ships. Apparently, for the sea madness. The sea madness. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I was just gonna say that too. <laughs> um, yeah, and so then we flash forward. To I assume present day. It's weird because it says like 1938 in big huge letters, and um, I guess before we jump ahead, it also says earlier that evening. Yes, and it's I, I like the way they did it because they show a long hallway and then the words are like earlier on one side and then that at the end of the hall and then evening on the other side. It was very Kubrick. Yeah, this whole movie was very Shining esque. Yeah. Um. Yeah. But so earlier that evening, we see this guy and his wife and their young daughter, and they we find out that they snuck their way onto the ship, and they're currently in third class, and there's now they're trying to sneak their way up into first class. And they sneak their way into this fancy restaurant. They say that they're you know this guy who canceled his reservation, and they're like, oh well, we're here now. What? Sounds like you're not registering in the mic. <laughs> 
this, is this is this better? No, I feel like I'm too far away though. Hmm. Check, check, check. That, yeah. But so they go to this this fancy dinner and this fancy restaurant, and uh, we find out that the girl is a aspiring tap dancer, and this filmmaker director guy is at an adjacent table, and so she's like, you know, I'm I'm going to go talk to him. And the dad is just like, you know, no, we we don't beg. Yeah, he's. I couldn't figure out who this guy was supposed to be. I, I tried looking up the name Vic, Victor, Victor something. Yeah, um, and I couldn't find anything. But like, he's sitting at his table with Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers. Right. Uh, so I didn't know who he was supposed to be. Yeah, I don't know if he was a fictional character, or if he's a real person. <laughs> yep. But. She goes up and starts talking to him, and he's like, you know, didn't your parents ever teach you not to come to a table uninvited? Whack! No. No. no but, he, but he didn't. He wanted to. <laughs> and so the man goes up, and he starts, you know, talking to this guy, and he's just like, you treated my daughter rather badly. But at this point, the guy whose reservation was canceled shows up, and so now they're like, well, you're not who you say you are. And so they drag him out of there. Like, bugger off. Yeah. Because British. Yeah. That's what British people say when they're from London. They do say that. <laughs> I've heard it. <laughs> but the girl stays there. I, did I miss something there? They, they hauled off the parents, but the little girl stayed they, there. They told her to stay there. But I would think that security would be like, no, no. You go to. All of you. Maybe they're like, well, the reservation was only for two, so we only need to take two out. <laughs> two in, two out. That's the uh, that's the rule. Although it was three in, two out, and then, <laughs> and then two in. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> but then, so yeah, we cut forward to present day with Alice Eve and her her son uh, Luca. Alice Eve still looking good, still looking, still looking good. Uh, and her son Luca, who is eight years old. And seems to have some kind of dwarfism. Yeah. Um, he doesn't say until later in the movie that he's eight years old, but I was like, that guy is definitely like 24. <laughs> and I looked it up, and he is exactly 24. Is he really? I never would have guessed that. Yep. I definitely thought he was a kid. But so they are going to this meeting at the Queen Mary because, uh, what is her name? Anne? Yes. Oh, yeah. uh, Anne is uh, writing a book, not not just a book. She wants it to be an entire multimedia experience right. revolving around the Queen Mary and specifically the ghost stories of the Queen Mary. You have not, you never did the, the ghost tour, did you? No. Right. Okay. I, I've been there twice, once with you and once with my wife and the two experiences kind of. Over or like <laughs> they mesh together sometimes. Yeah, the only time I've been on the ship is the few mazes that were actually on the ship. Right. And of course the hidden bars. Right. There's one scene where the kid goes like or I guess they're on the tour and they go down into like the kind of bowels of the ship. Mm. And I was just like, that's where the haunted bar was. Yeah. <laughs> or the hidden bar, not the haunted bar. Probably haunted too, but anyway, yeah. So she's going to this meeting and she meets up with her estranged husband, I guess. Is that where I don't think they're ever actually married. That's the impression. That's I, true, because she said she was married before, and she doesn't want to get married again. Right. Uh, so her live-in boyfriend, it sounded like. 
Yeah, but they're clearly not doing well. They're kind of on the outs. Yeah. Um, like I said, estranged. And I don't really know why he was there. <laughs> I got the impression they were writing this thing together. I got the impression he wanted them to write it together, but she was not so much on board with that plan. Mm. So I don't know if he just kind of like tagged along to kind of insert himself or what, because she was the only one that went to the meeting. It's true. Yeah. I mean, when it started out, I kind of got the impression that he, this was his thing. And she, that's what I thought too. Cause the kids, doesn't the kids say dad's book? I don't recall. Also, I thought it was kind of funny that the kid was calling him dad, but... And they specifically point out that he's not the kid's father. Yeah, she was... But he's raised him. Yeah. And that's why she was... I thought she was being kind of a kind of bitchy about it. And I'm sure that there are relationships that are tumultuous that are exactly like this, but the guy is not his real dad, but raised the kid. And, you know, they're not married, so he has no, like, parental rights or anything like that. And she's very quick to point out that he's not your son. Yeah, I don't get that. And it's like, that's that's a dick move. He's the one that's there. He's choosing to be there. Yeah. He doesn't have to be there, whereas the guy who should be there is not. Right. Yeah. She's, I don't know, like, it's hard. I don't, I don't want to get, like, too involved in the lives of fictional characters. <laughs> but the whole thing, she seemed like she was being very uh, dickish. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, we don't know what has caused their strife. It's without analyzing you know becoming their couples therapist but like it seemed like she had some kind of thing issue with commitment and like broke things off with him because maybe he was getting too serious or wanting to get married and she didn't want to so she broke things off and now she's basically given him the cold shoulder because he wants her back and also wants to be in this kid who he basically raises his own kid back in his life. Yeah. Just, I mean, they could be together and just not get married. Like that, that that's an easy thing to do. It happens all the time. Yeah. Like I'm doing it. Right. You've been doing it <laughs> I've for so been long. doing it for 10 years, yeah. 11 years. <laughs> um, yeah. But so she, she's supposed to have this meeting with this historian, but you know, this guy comes up and says, I am captain Bittner. No, I think he's actually, I don't think he says captain at first. Cause she says, are, she says, are you Mr. Torres? And he says, no, uh, I know you were supposed to meet with Mr. Torres, but you were delayed. So basically, you were late, and so Torres pawned you off on me. Right. And he says, you know, I, I'm the captain of this ship. And so she has this meeting with him, and she says, you know, we want to do this whole, again, AR thing. Uh, she says, we want to do a, like a whole 3D map of the ship, but obviously we would need access to everywhere. Mm -hmm. And this guy seems like he's not kind of quite sure, but... Uh, she says, you know, well, can you, can you take me on, on a tour? And so he takes her on a tour and he's showing her all these places, you know, that the public tours don't get to see. He says, you know, this is where all these famous people were. This is where Alfred Hitchcock used to smoke his cigars. This is where uh, Bob Newhart used to, or Bob, Bob Newhart, Bob Hope used to write his, his uh, sketches, not sketches, his, his bits. His bits, his stand-up routines. Yeah. Um. I like to later, he's like, he's trying to get him to leave. And he says, you know, if you leave, I'll, sh I'll show you where me and Walt Disney smoke cigars all night. Right. Which that math doesn't add up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I didn't think of that. I guess you're right. Um, yeah. Meanwhile, uh, Philip, the right. 
think that was his name. Philip, who is the dad who's not the dad, and Luca. They, oh, uh, Patrick. Patrick. They go on the ghost tour. They get separated. Luca ends up on like a different level. This is when they're down in the bowels, and I was just like, yeah, that's, that's where the bar was. Yeah. We, we drank there. Right. And he ends up getting in one of the elevators because he chases this tarot card that he sees. And so he goes into one of the elevators and ends up just getting lost. And he goes into the pool area. And he's, he's got like a big giant camera around his neck and he's constantly taking photos. Uh, and something pushes him into the pool. And so then the next... <laughs> he gets pushed into the pool and then he... he the, he's, the strap on his camera gets hooked on something. And so he's basically being... He's like hanging from by his neck there. I'm like, oh God, are they going to kill this kid? <laughs> But no, then something comes out of the pool and grabs him and drags him into the pool. Right. And he's like, oh, God, are they going to kill this kid? <laughs> but no, the next thing we see is him soaking wet, drinking a frappe, because he asked earlier if he could have a frappe, and uh, Alice Eve was like, no, you. who would give a coffee to a child? Yeah, I can't remember. It's, it's funny that Starbucks kind of played a very, very small role, but uh, I can't remember what they were talking about, but it basically was talking about like the kind of the majesty of the ship. How it's like the greatest ship there ever was. This was back in 38. You know, talking about a great ship it was, and then jump forward, and like they kind of pan past this, we proudly serve Starbucks coffee sign. <laughs> but it's it's funny. Because, uh, so I think, did we do two tours? I think we did, my wife and I, we did a regular tour, and then we did a ghost tour, I, th- I believe. Okay. Um, and it's just, it's just funny because they actually filmed this on the Queen Mary mm-hmm. and just seeing all these places that I've been like yeah. that, that Starbucks sign is actually there. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, you know, all the corridors and the ballrooms and stuff, it's just exactly as I remember it. And it's kind of interesting. Cause, it's always like, cool to see things that you, places that you recognize. Yeah. And it's like, it's not like, it's not the same as like a, a street or a, a neighborhood or something that you yeah. Or you know a, a building or something. It's it's a little different because it's it's a ship, you know. Yeah. But anyway. Anyway, um, yeah. So, yeah. So, <laughs> we cut back to 1938. <clears throat> I'm gonna kind of start to zip through this a little more. Sure. Back in 1938, this guy who he wore like half a mask because apparently his face was all messed up, which they well, never explained. It was Halloween. Oh, his just his why real, his face? Yeah. Uh, I got the impression he was in the. Because he was in the war and he got injured somehow. Oh, yeah. I guess that could have been it, but that's that's speculating because he does say that he was in the military. But, yeah. Um, they never explain really specifically what happened. No. But my big question is, how did he whistle? Did he whistle? Yeah, because they say like um, that he had been whistling ever since he killed his wife. I don't know. Because <laughs> like his lips are not touching. Like. <laughs> Let's see, he's like whistling through his teeth or something. Maybe, yeah. I mean, he's got a big gap in one of his teeth and he whistles through it. Whistles through his nose. Because this guy, he, you know, they, like I said, they get pulled out of this restaurant and the wife is just like, I'm going to go back to the room. And he goes, like, okay, you know, I'll meet you back there shortly. And then he goes and takes a piss in the pool. <laughs> I fuck this pool. And then, like he's standing there staring at the pool and I was like, is he, is he going to jump in? <laughs> jump into his pee? <laughs> I mean, he wouldn't be the first. 
a lot of people taking peas and pools and just kind of swim around free. <laughs> That's a good point. I don't know. It's different when you're jumping into it, though. Yeah. I guess. <laughs> Dimitri Martin once said, you know, there's a difference between peeing in a pool and peeing into a pool. <laughs> <laughs> but so, yeah, then all of a sudden he just kind of snaps and goes back to his room and just viciously murders his wife with an axe. Well, I mean, so, we find out why later. Yeah. Well, I, I didn't know if that was worth saying or if that's. Did they, I don't remember if they even showed it at this point. But basically, this captain is just very um, cocksure. Yeah. Uh, very uh, ambitious, or not ambitious, but like very sure of this ship. Uh, again, very prideful of the, of the ship and how it's the best in the fleet and blah, blah, blah. Um, and so he's it's, it's talking about how it's the, uh, the fastest ship ever. And so he's very insistent on his underlings to be running the ship at you know at full speed um but it's overheating the boilers i like the the drunk english guys that were like down below where they weren't supposed to be and the guy's like all right guys party's upstairs and he's like oh fastest ship ever it's yeah <laughs> my arse <laughs> um but yeah i guess there's some problem with one of the boilers and it's you know on the verge of overheating uh, and I guess that ultimately what happens is it overheats and it blasts up through the through the, the roof, pool area. roof into the pool area where this guy's standing. And it's like for an instant you think maybe he's dead, but then he's walking around, obviously. Yeah. So there's that. Yeah, that whole part, I don't know. Uh, I'll get into that later. <laughs> yeah, so he goes back to his room and he just like massacres his wife with this axe. Um, That's kind of grim. <laughs> it was brutal. It was savage. He just like swings at her face and she doesn't die. Yeah, she's wearing this like angel mask or something. It looks, it looks like ceramic or something like that. Little cherub. Yeah. And he just like chops her right in the top of the head. And this mask has a big gash across it. And um, yeah, she's like trying to crawl away. And just before the, she realized something was wrong. And so she tried to get the people in the next room to call security. She threw a little tarot card through the doorway that said help on it. Um, <laughs> and so security shows up and they're like, they're like, um, and like it shows him. He's standing over her with the ax above his head. It just pans over. And there's like the woman from the next room and security and somebody else, maybe somebody else from the other room. <laughs> And they're just like, uh, and then it pans back over and he's just like, all right. Like walks over and just whack, yeah. gives them a couple good whacks. And then, yeah, it goes back and his wife's in the bathtub and he just smashes her. Yeah. Like through the shower curtain, which for some reason made it more brutal. Yeah. I guess cause he couldn't see her and he didn't really know what he was chopping at. So he was just, just hacking away. Just, just taking a whack at it. To but turn a phrase. Yeah, <laughs> but we don't really know why. Like what? Because they seemed very lovey-dovey. Like you know, when she went back to the room, he gave her a kiss. And well, she. I guess he didn't really give her a kiss. She kissed him on the cheek because he can't kiss because <laughs> no lips. Yeah. Uh, she seemed to know that he wasn't her husband. Yeah. 
Um, which at the time was just like, wait, what? Right. Um, because yeah, he's wearing a mask, but it only covers like half his face. So it was it was clearly the same guy. Yeah. No, she seemed a little, you know, uh, touched. Yeah. Is that the right term? I don't know. That makes it sound like she's special. Is that is that what it, I always thought? Touched me like like touched by an angel. Sure. <laughs> it just like has show me on the doll where the angel a, touched a you. second sight type thing. I think that might be right. Okay. But yeah, she's like spiritual medium. Yeah, yeah. She's like lady whatever for that fixed the cell phone. <laughs> <laughs> what you have to do is change your settings. <laughs> Turn it off and turn it back on. <laughs> um, yeah, because she was, you know, dealing with tarot cards the whole night. Right. And I guess that was supposed to spell out to us that she had powers or whatever. She's magic. Oh, magic. <laughs> and uh, so in current day, they they go back home. And Patrick and Anne come back the next day and the captain tells him, you know, we're doing a renovation. So you're going to have the whole ship all to yourself, which would be crazy. That would be awesome. Did you imagine the fucking chaos we would cause? Just run up and down the, the decks. like ah! <laughs> Just like doing drop kicks into the wall for no reason. <laughs> Just throwing things randomly. Just sliding down the stairs on something and sleeping bags or something yeah. cardboard box <laughs> um but we notice that her hand is all swollen and i don't know if this is a spoiler but fuck it <laughs> come to find out that but fuck it uh <laughs> luca was like outside in the rain on a railing outside their window and she was just like come inside and he's like i can't go back to that ship and she's like, okay, you but don't, ha- you don't have to. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then she's like, okay, whatever, Luca, just come inside. And he's like, that's not my name. And then she goes to grab him and the window falls on her hand and Luca falls. It's a big ouchie. It is a big ouchie. Uh, so Luca's dead. <laughs> died, died, died. <laughs> the young boy. I mean, he only fell like two stories, which... Yeah, but his body seems like it's probably compromised in some way, right? I guess. I don't know. Maybe, I mean, if he fell on his head or his neck, it could happen. It could happen. Uh, so they go back to the ship and they start. Seeing, he just landed like right on his feet and just scrunched up like an accordion, <laughs> like Bugs Bunny cartoon. Yeah. <laughs> and then when he walks, it's like. <laughs> 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 Christ. <laughs> yeah, so then all this supernatural stuff starts happening. They, they, there's all these ghosts, and, uh, and, and it's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy, man. <clears throat> yeah, there's a lot of story here, and it's kind of hard to cover it all without... Without starting to give a lot away. Yeah. Yeah. Um... This, there's there's a lot of really good stuff in this. Mm-hmm. A lot of really spooky stuff. A lot of, uh, you know, some, some good gore. Yeah. Um, 
there's some cheap jump scares for sure. Sure. But it, it's got an eerie uh, kind of um, sense about it. But it's also, to me, what they call in the wrestling business, overbooked. <laughs> just too just much a, going just on. a little too much going on. Yeah. That doesn't need to be there. Yeah, I had, I had a hard time at several points throughout the movie with keeping the two storylines straight. Not only keeping them straight, but figuring out what the hell they had to do with each other. Yeah, there's a lot of questions that like finally get answered, but for a long time you're just like, like why did this guy snap? And you know what? What does this have to do with what's going on with Alice Eve? And yeah, yeah, it's, it's so there. There were so many points during the movie where it's just like, did I miss something? Yeah, but it's a two-hour movie, so I'm not going to keep backing up every time that happens, <laughs> right? <laughs> but yeah, then there is this big moment where you're just kind of like, oh, yeah. Uh, is that a real thing? What the thing in the pool the 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 body (laughs) yeah i was trying not to give it away (laughs) not that i'm aware of yeah i I was like i'm not an engineer i know when when he was talking about i was just like what is that that real (laughs) is that a thing sounds like it could be real which i guess is what's i mean i guess like going back to like what we were talking about before with like the times of like witchcraft and you know evil spirits and stuff it does seem i guess like something that people might believe but sorry for being intentionally vague but Uh, trying not to give away the end of the movie if you haven't yeah i mean i guess it's it does appear to be a thing or like kind of like a myth oh okay like a Old wives' tale kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, it's like something that could be real, but it's like, oh, you know, I heard from a friend of a friend type thing. Yeah. I thought the tarot card thing, like, while not distracting or anything, it just seemed a little unnecessary. Yeah. I I mean, other than to, like, kind of give a reason why she would know that this guy was not actually her husband. Yeah. But even that didn't seem necessary. It almost, it almost would have been better if she didn't know that 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 was not her husband. Yeah. Wouldn't really have changed anything. Nope. And like, I still don't know what's, what was up with the captain. Like why he was the current day captain. Oh, so Oh, no, wait, I guess I do, kind of. He's basically like a keeper. Yeah. Um, I got. I have a question, but it'll... A secure, Mr. Torres, this faceless higher-up guy that we never actually see, tells him on the phone that you're a security guard. Right, yeah, he's, he's not actually a captain. Right, but he's a, a security guard in, in, in the respect of, you know, he manages the... Really hard to tap dance around this. No, I, I think I know what you mean. And I have a question, but I it will. The only way you could answer it would be by spoiling a lot of things. So I'll ask you off mic. Okay. Um, yeah, like I saw some, you know, like all those ending explained websites. And I'm just like, it's, 
the ending's pretty pretty cut and dry. Yeah. I, I don't think that there was anything left that I didn't understand. Yeah. Uh, although I will say it came down to like the last couple minutes before I really put everything together. <laughs> yeah. Th- this movie like intentionally leaves all kinds of loose ends. And then at the end is just like, and now we tie them all together. Yeah. What I read was this is actually part of a planned trilogy. Interesting. Cause I was thinking about this earlier and I was like, I wonder if they would try to make a sequel, but I don't know how they would. Yeah, I, I don't know what, I don't know how that comes into play, but I did see that this is, part of a planned trilogy unless they're just like like a cornetto trilogy where they don't actually tie in together so the next one is like haunting of the spruce goose <laughs> well i mean you know with all the ghosts that have been reported on the um uh queen mary over the years <clears throat> seems like you could make any number of stories about any of them sure uh I do wonder if that could cause all the movies to basically be the same, but I aren't the ghosts like, cause they talk about the lady in white. Yeah. Which I think is a, is a real story, right? Yes. If I remember correctly, there's like the lady in white, the lady in red, the lady in purple, oh, like there's the lady in brown. Like there's so just so many ladies and yeah. it's just like, well, how we can't have all these stories about ladies. <laughs> not, like, that's not, like a chauvinist thing. <laughs> well, just got, like Tony said, it's all going to be the same story. And I mean, this is why I don't believe in ghosts because there are so many different stories that are the exact same story, just in different places. <laughs> yeah. It's ridiculous. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, I mean, like I, I, I don't know how this, how how, uh, how sequels would play out yeah and still be interesting i guess um but what did you think of the movie uh, um I, I feel like my feelings change like every five minutes mm-hmm. like i kept going from like wanting to turn it off and like oh and then going to like oh that's 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 kind of cool or you know that's a good plot point or something like that and i just feel like i was like going up and down through the entire thing um so it's kind of hard to gauge like how i felt about the movie as a whole other than just saying it was okay (laughs) um i I liked it stylistically uh it had just kind of a weird sense about it that was very kubrick like it did it very much seemed like like the shining on a boat. Yeah. Um, but then it also had almost something. And this is all like, kind of like, like cinematic uh, cinematography choices and stuff like that. That almost struck me as like kind of Wes Anderson. Interesting. (laughs) Yeah. And so like the two of those together, it just was, it was an odd pairing, but it kind of, kind of worked, I guess. Um, so the story was confusing until the end. Yeah, the thing is, though, like, like it didn't need to be. No, it didn't. It could have been a much more straightforward than it was. Yeah. Um, and you know, you probably could have cut like half an hour out. 
if you'd done that. Yeah, it is like Tony said. It's it's two hours and four minutes out. Uh, all all said and done. And it's like, you know, if you're watching it like uh, you know right before bed, like I was, that half hour makes all the difference to where it's just like, you know, this is a good length movie, or this is too fucking long. <laughs> yeah. But, um, man, so yeah, I'm having a hard time kind of really saying how I felt about the movie as a whole. Like I said, the parts that I liked, I liked a lot. I thought there were, there were definitely a lot of really cool parts, really cool cinematography, really cool, uh, like gore effects. And like, like we said, the violence in the scene where he kills his wife and the other people, um, in the room. Cause it's. It's not one of those off-screen things. They they show everything. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I think that the story, like, even though I I do like it when stories are kind of, you know, a little confusing and then get all kind of get tied up at once. Yeah. But this one, it seemed unnecessarily so. Like, it was almost getting annoying to the point where I'm just like, are they going to explain this? Right. So it's got to be timed well. Yeah. Yeah, and there there were definitely times where there there's a I guess there's a difference between a movie being I'm trying to think of like a movie where everything kind of comes together at the end. Uh, okay, how about like usual the usual suspects? Have you seen that? Yeah, but not in a long time. I don't really remember it. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, you know, through the whole movie, you've got this gang of thieves who are pulling all these jobs, and you know, there's a lot of like, um, like second guessing and a lot of um, Wait, back, is this, backstabbing. What? Is this where they kill the hooker in the desert? I'm thinking of a different movie. Hooker in the desert with um, Christian Slater and that's very bad things. That's what I'm thinking of. Oh no, this is it's got um, Gabriel Byrne and Kevin Spacey, Kevin Pollock, Benicio del Toro. Oh, then no, I haven't seen it. Oh, you should see it, man. It's a great movie, especially if you like uh, crime, you know, crime movies. Uh, anyway, but. You, so you've got these this gang of thieves who pull a you know a job together, and throughout this whole thing, there's this kind of ominous overlord who's basically like a ghost by the name Kaiser, Kaiser Soze, and you don't really know who Kaiser Soze is until the very end, and that's where every like all the pieces, all these hanging pieces from the from the story, all start to kind of come together and make sense. Um, and uh, this that's kind of what this was like, except there was just like, there's too many pieces. Yeah. Um, and it's like they shouldn't have been all hinged on that, those last, you know, five minutes for it all to kind of come together. Um, but, yeah, I wish I could get into more details, but I don't, I don't want to give away the ending or, you know, parts of the plot that are kind of... That, shouldn't be spoiled. So 
Yeah, it's 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 a movie you kind of got to pay attention to because they're if if you're just kind of casually watching it and futzing around on your phone or doing something like that, it definitely could be confusing towards the end. Yeah, I did like that they um kind of utilize. So there, there's this story about the Queen Mary. And you may be familiar with this. I don't know if they covered it when we went there for Dark Harbor or not, but there were there was a room in what at the time was third class, where I think it was a man was found just like completely eviscerated, Um, and when they renovated the ship into a hotel, they combined these three. rooms into a, like a suite um and uh they named it i think it's it's b340 i think is the room number and in this i think it was b470 was the room where he killed his wife and those other people mm-hmm. so I, I assume that was a, a play off of this story kind of like a shining thing where they changed the room number yeah probably not for the same reason but right. maybe it was i don't know yeah because you can still stay on the like it's a hotel, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, room three B three forty is a, a popular room. Yeah, I bet. Is it three? I think it's B three forty. The two thirty seven. Doesn't doesn't really matter. No, I'm, just, I'm, not, I'm I'm just looking it up for my own curiosity. Um. Yeah, B340. Yeah, I really think that if they had just kind of cut out some of the Gaga and just streamlined the story a little more, it could have come in at a tight 90 minutes and it could have been a lot more streamlined and a little easier to understand and uh, just overall better. Yeah. And you know, when you make a two hour movie that with so much being hinged on the ending, it's it becomes a slog. That's what I'm saying. Like you, the timing has to be right for that big reveal. Yeah. And yeah, but it's, this movie is two hours, but it's, it's not a slog really. It's no, I never want at any point was just like, Oh my God, how much longer is this? I did at the one hour mark. (laughs) I I mean, I did at one point look and see how much longer it was, but it wasn't like a, Oh my God, another hour kind of thing. It's, 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 it, it definitely took a while to get going. I mean, the whole scene with in, in 38 with the, the, the family, I mean that that kind of plays out pretty quickly, but when you start combining it in, I felt like the 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 present day portion came in so late that it was jarring. Yeah, it's like there's wait, no, what? Like, it doesn't say <laughs> present day. It doesn't say a year. It it just cuts to Alice Eve driving in a car. Yeah, and all of a sudden she's in a Tesla, and it's like, well, this couldn't be possible. This couldn't possibly be in thirty eight. <laughs> yeah, and also like the whole movie, there's. It's just seamless in and out. There's mm-hmm. there's no like hard cuts to let you know when the era is or anything like that. It's just now we're in 38. Now we're in present day. Now we're in 38. Yeah. There was some uh some there were a couple of scenes that I thought were pretty cool though because okay, one one in 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 this particular case is Alice Eve is walking or so actually I guess it's it's back in 38. I think the boiler's blown and they're kind of getting everybody, you know, getting everybody life jackets. And it's like, okay, if we have to evacuate the ship, then we need y'all to be ready. And everybody's just kind of running through the, um, the hole. 
Huh? Is it a hole? I mean, it's down in the hole, but there's. I feel like there's a, a certain name for the for the wa- for the hallway. The shaft. Probably not. <laughs> anyway, but like it's like it's thirty eight, and these people are running around. They turn a corner, and a split second later, Alice Eve walks out from a door into the same hallway. Yeah, and they so do that a couple times where it's like almost seamless. Yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, because it was so close, like they were so close to being the being the, in the exact same spot at the same time, right? But they just barely missed each other, you know. <clears throat> um, I was going to say something else, but now I forgot. Cool. Oh well. Um, Are we ready for numbers? Yeah, I think so. I think I'm going to give it a seven. Yeah, a little seven. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Lucky Slevin. Um, I think I'm going to do six. All right. Yeah, like I said, my biggest complaint is just that I think there was, there was, they tried to put too much in it. it yeah. and, and I think if they had taken some of that out, not only would it make, made the runtime a little more tolerable, it also would have made the movie a little more streamlined. Yeah. I think, like I said at the beginning, it's, it's kind of cool that, to see on film like a, a a horror film being played out in a location where I've been, you know, I've actually yeah. walked down these corridors. There you go. <laughs> uh, that's the word. Um, walk down these corridors that people have been in, and so it's like I, I it's, it's cool to see. It's like watching <laughs> Twin Peaks and being like, oh, I know where that is. Yeah, I know where that is. And the part there's a part where they're in a bar. You wouldn't. Remember the bar where he's he's fixing up her hand and they're, mm-hmm. they're drinking. It's like I've, I've sat in that bar. It's oh yeah yeah. <laughs> um. Anyway, it was not a hidden bar. It was not a hidden bar. It's like the bar. Yeah, it's the ship bar. I think it's called the observation deck bar. Be cool if they had hidden bars in it in the movie. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well. Um, next up would be the adaptation of Dracula or a segment of Dracula called The Last Voyage of the Demeter. The Demeter on charter from Romania to London. Shipping private crates. Contents unknown. Out at sea with no land in sight. This here is Clemens. He's a doctor. You dress like a learned man. University of Cambridge. I know my way around the boat. Our charter has agreed to pay a bonus for timely arrival in London. Let me show you the ship. This here is Huckleberry. We don't come with like this to give the yours clear. Meat is a fine boat, no doubt. Something ripped apart the animals. All the livestock? This looks like a bite. Search the ship. Everywhere. Evil is on board. Powerful evil.
Ring is our blood. He is here. We call him Dracula. the size of that bloody thing. I want to kill the cursed thing. He is on this ship, which means we will never leave it. The devil is real. May God have mercy on us all. All right, so... Last Voyage of the Demeter, directed by Andre Ovredal, uh, from the autopsy of Jane Doe. And you know what else, Taylor? You know what else? Scary stories still in the dark. You know what else? You know. You know what else? What? Troll Hunter. <laughs> Goddamn Troll Hunter. <laughs> um. Yeah, interesting direction for him. Uh. Just based on his past work, this I guess this didn't really seem like something that I would have pegged for him, but what do I know? Uh, so this is based around a very, very short segment. It's like less than a chapter in Dracula. Uh, <clears throat> based on the captain's log of uh, the, the ship Demeter, which is the ship that transported Dracula from uh, Romania to... Uh, England. Excuse me, London. <laughs> um, and yeah, so like I said, the, the whole saga of the Demeter is told entirely through the captain's log. So it's very quick. There's not even like a full explanation of an, like an entire day, uh, you know, like an hour by hour breakdown or anything. It's like this happened on this day. This happened on this day. And it's like over the course of like less than a month, I think, like something like three weeks. Leave on, they leave in. It was in July. It was and a they, three hour tour, I think. <laughs> <laughs> they, they leave in on like July. Shit, I can't remember the day they left. Some, sometime in July, and then they crashed on the shore or in, in the, um, uh, the dock crashed, crashed, yeah, crashed ashore um, on August sixth. So, t- um, but anyway, all of it's very concise, and like I said, it takes place over the course of less than a chapter in the book. So, if you're going to tell a story about that specific part, there's a lot of room for expansion. Um, you know, there's just some, some very minor details that you kind of have to stick to. The rest of it's all pretty up <laughs> to interpretation. Um, and that's kind of what they did here. Um, it opens up the, the ship has already crashed in England. Um, where, sorry, excuse me, you know, England, London. Oh, that England. Yes. Um, and, uh, the police see the ship and, you know, go to, um, explore what happened and they, Shit, what happened? They, they can't find any sign of the crew, right? I feel like I'm, I'm trying to not confuse the book with, with the movie because there are different things in it. I don't think they find anybody on the boat, on the boat, right? They find the girl. 
The girl. The police? Oh. I thought you were talking about... Yeah. talking about the, the very beginning of the oh. movie. Oh. Uh, no, I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think they find anybody on the boat. Um, Which is different than the book, because in the book, the 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 ship washes ashore and the captain is tied to the the wheel. So I mean that's, that's every iteration of the of Dracula has shown the Demeter that's always been there, whether it be uh, you know um actually I don't know if they show that in the uh universal version, but like um in the uh the Fred's for Coppola version in Nosferatu, both versions of Nosferatu, it, that's all there. So, but it's not there. It's not in this one, which is weird. Anyway, so the police kind of investigate the ship. They're not really finding much of anything. They no no sign of the crew, but they do find the captain's log, and that's kind of where it launches into the story of what happened. Uh, we jump back. Okay, so four weeks earlier. Um, let's see, it must be the beginning of July. Um, and, uh, they are in Bulgaria picking up charter from, uh, a, uh, a castle up on the hill or a, ca- a castle in Romania. And these people, these locals, they're carting these crates down the hill on, you know, horse-drawn carriage. And they're all stamped with a very ominous dragon symbol. Obviously we, the audience know what that means. We know this is a Dracula story. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, they load the ships on the, or sorry, load the crates on the ship. But like the crew that brought them, like the people who brought them down the hill, they're like, "All right, have fun, goodbye." <laughs> right. <laughs> um, and there's like, wait, what the? F-? The crew's like, what the hell? We're help us get these on the ship. They're like, uh, nope, we gotta get out of here before the sun goes down. But uh, you know, good luck, good luck to you. <laughs> Um, and, uh, they take on some crew members, uh, there at, at, in port. I mean, that's, that's pretty, um, pretty standard for most ships. You know, they, they kind of get, pick up crew members at every port, you know, depending on how many they may need. One of them being, uh, what the hell is his name? Clemens, uh, played by Corey Hawkins, AKA Dr. Dre. <laughs> oh, from straight out of Compton. Yeah. Oh. Um, he did his, he did a British accent so well that I'm like, wait, is he British? <laughs> you never know. You really don't. It's, I mean, these days it seems like there are more British actors in the U.S. than there are U.S. actors. Yeah. Um. Uh. So he tries to get on the ship, but gets turned down by the um the first mate, who's played by um David. I'm going to say his last name wrong. Das Malkian, I think is, is, is how you pronounce it. Uh, he's like, no, you've never worked a, you know, never worked on a ship. Forget it. And he picks up this other guy. That guy is like, he's he's in everything. Das Malkian? Yeah. He's, it's kind of getting there, yeah. He, he always plays comedic roles, though. So watching him play a, a serious role is kind of weird. What's the first thing that comes to mind for you? When I think of him? Yeah. Ant-Man. For me, it's ba- Baba Yaga. <laughs> For me, it's Batman Begins. Okay, <laughs> sure, yeah. Or was it was it Dark Knight? I think it was Dark Knight actually. Yeah, Dark Knight. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Um, yeah, he's he's been in a lot of stuff in the last handful mm-hmm. of years. Uh, he played a pretty prominent role in the Suicide Squad. Did he? I never mm-hmm. actually saw it. He's poke it up, man. Anyway, um, yeah. So he uh, he says, you know, uh, Clemens says, you know, I'm a I'm a I'm a doctor. I could be pretty useful on the ship, even though you know I'm not a, sh- a ship person or I'm not a, a seaman. Uh, I'm a, I have a medical experience, so it could be helpful on the ship if you need any medical assistance. But he says no. And he picks up this other old guy. Looks like he's about to fall over. <laughs> Actually, I guess he's not that decrepit, is he? Eh, he's old, though. He's an old guy. Anyway, so they're down by the shore, and they're loading these crates. Um, and this guy who they picked up instead of Clemens spots this dragon symbol on the crate, loses grip of the pulleys, and the crate almost comes smashing down on the captain's grandson. Toby. <laughs> That's his name, Toby. With a T-O-B-I. Sometimes I put a little smiley face over the eye. <laughs> um, Toby? Toby Wong? <laughs> Wait, what? Reservoir Dogs? Oh, fuck. It's been... A- I got Madonna's big dick in this year. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a minute since I've seen that one. Actually, like I, I, I really like that movie. And contrary to popular opinion, I don't really care for Pulp Fiction all that much. But I've seen Pulp Fiction more recently than I've seen Reservoir Dogs. Hmm. <clears throat> anyway, so uh, whenever I hear Toby, for my mind always goes Toby Wong. I, just, I can't even remember what you're talking about. I don't even remember the context. I just remember going Toby, Toby, Toby Wong. <laughs> it's Harvey Keitel. Oh, okay. Yes. Are they in the restaurant? Yeah. The, yeah. It's at the very beginning. Yes. Okay. I do remember that. I don't remember the context either, but yeah. 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 And then the second place my mind goes to is Toby Flenderson. <laughs> you were the worst person ever. <laughs> uh, okay. So yeah, uh, this crate comes within inches of crushing this little boy. Um, the young boy. The young boy. <laughs> but Clemens heroically dives dives in and, and gets him clear of the crate. And uh, the captain sees this and says, mm, yes, come aboard. And tells the other guy he's fucking fired. <laughs> Step in my office because you're fucking fired. <laughs> but he's, and the guy is just like, you know what? Fine. Good. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> you can't uh, fire me. I quit. Yeah. Because, uh, ob- I mean, obviously he knows what the what those crates mean with the dragon symbol on them. Yep. So, they're sailing. Uh, Means they belong to Ricky Steamboat. Yep. <laughs> they're sailing along and sailing along. And um, uh, let's see. Uh, bu- 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 important details. Uh, so, they're sailing, and one of the crates falls, and, and um, Clemens goes to kind of investigate it and finds it. One of the crate is cracked open and a bunch of dirt is pouring out. Uh, he opens opens up the crate and find and a woman basically pours out. 
And so everybody's just kind of like, what the fuck is this? And, you know, immediately the, the, the experienced salesman, not salesman, sail, sailors, um, it's like, oh, it's a stowaway. sailor and seaman? I guess, yeah. Um, they all immediately is like, oh, he's a, she's a stowaway. Throw her overboard. Um, but I think Clemens says, oh, no, she was in one of these crates. I don't think she was there voluntarily. And, you know, she, he identifies that she's very sick. She has some kind of infection. And so he starts doing blood transfusions. <laughs> and it's always funny when I see blood transfusions in movies that take place in, like, the 19th century or, or even earlier. Uh, because it's like you can't just do that. You have to have a <laughs> matching blood type, right? <laughs> Otherwise, you're basically poisoning the person. <laughs> um, but uh, he does not anyway. And uh, do you remember the episode of Always Sunny where Frank and Charlie found the blood? <laughs> and he was like, so you're going to replace your blood with some blood that you found? Yes. I'm not going to replace it. I'm going to add to it <laughs> to become more virile. <laughs> um, so he starts giving her blood transfusions. And after however many days, she starts to kind of recover and she comes to. And <clears throat> this also... Um, So they have a um, in the hole in the hole of the ship. They have a, or a hold where they have a bunch of live am- animals for their food supply. <clears throat> um, I think who discovers the dead animals? Do you remember? Um, uh, the I don't remember his name. Somebody finds all the dead animals, and. Um, think that there's some kind of out you know rabies outbreak which is just ridiculous because not only are all the animals dead they clearly have the have had their throats ripped out but the dog on board is dead too yeah um and clemens being the you know of sound mind and also a medical professional is just like no 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 this is not rabies this is not what rabies looks like guys but, you know, a bunch of crazy sailors who are just not only superstitious, but... Coming down with sea madness. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, you know, they throw all the corpses overboard. Um, and this is when uh, the girl, who we find out is named Anna, she wakes up and tells, like, she immediately starts to panic. You know, she's like, where... I think she starts saying, like, where is he? Where is he? Or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're just like, what are you talking about? And said that there's an evil on board and we have, you know, we all have to get off the ship. You know, um, she explains that this is some kind of evil creature that feeds on blood. Um, and she goes into the basically explanation of Dracula. I don't need to recall that because everybody knows who Dracula is. Um, but she kind of explains it from the perspective of somebody who lives in the village surround, you know, surrounding Castle Dracula, which is kind of an interesting perspective since you're used to seeing it or hearing it and seeing it from the perspective of like Jonathan Harker or, or, right. or something like that. <clears throat> um, anyway, so over the course of the days, you know, this crew is going about their job. You know, on deck, but at night they're getting picked off one by one. 
and you know they're either disappearing or their bodies are turning up just mangled same way that the animals were um and so the crew has just has any number of theories of you know each each one seems to have their different idea of what's happening um and you know of course the the cook on on board is a religious zealot so he's thinking this is some kind of demon from hell and you know this is the end of the world and blah 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 and just causing a panic among amongst the crew um and the only one who seems to be keeping a, a level head is clemens of course uh and you know anna who's the one who actually knows what's going on yeah um and so basically yeah just it kind of goes over the course of this f- these four weeks uh, aboard the demeter um and we kind of see things kind of build towards the inevitable conclusion so um is that concise enough yeah okay <laughs> This Dracula is not, like, sexy Dracula. No. Uh, I'm a sexy Dracula. (laughs) (laughs) I don't need to know which Dracula I am. (laughs) No, this is closer to, like, your Nosferatu looking. Yes. Um... What the hell is it? Barlow. I'm trying to think of the name of the vampire in Salem's Lot. Mm, Barlow. Yeah, yeah. Very... yeah he got like the big bat wings. And... Mm-hmm. and the way that Dracula is described in the book at this point is just a, a very tall, slender, shadowy figure. So even through the, the explanation in the captain's log, there's not much description given of him. Um, But the whole, I mean, I think the Coppola film covers this best is that as Dracula feeds, he regains his youth. And so he's feeding, not only feeding on this crew to get him through this four week transportation, but also to kind of regain, regain his strength, regain his youth. Um, But obviously at this point in the story, he's just a monster. Yeah. And you kind of get a little bit of that at the end too, of what? of him kind of re- regaining his yeah self. yeah he's he's played by Dracula's played by Javier Botet. Oh really? Yeah. Um, I didn't realize that. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, if you if you've seen like basically any movie where there's been like contortion going on, that's Probably Javier Botet. He's just a very tall, skinny, gangly, yeah. f- very flexible guy. Um, he was Mama. He was Mama. He was the uh, the crooked man. He was the 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 leper in it. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say he's been in good movies too. Um. So yeah, I mean, obviously Dracula has that kind of shape. Mm-hmm. Just a very tall, skinny guy, which is how he's described in the book at this point. Um, it's weird, though, at the end, you know, he'd think he'd presumably take human form, but he still almost kind of looked like a monster. You only get like a kind of like a... Yeah, like a side view. Like three-quarter But it almost looked the, like he was more like skin tone. Yeah, it looked like he was still kind of changing, but still like, kind of like that monstrous look to him. Yeah. And he didn't have like the classic like fangs. He had... 
like jagged monster teeth, which you know some sometimes the vampires are represented that way. Um, I uh, I I liked the way this was told. Um, I mean, it's, this is a universal film, but it doesn't kind of read. It doesn't really read that way. Yeah, I kept seeing it described as a universal monster movie, and I was like, wait. Yeah. Um, it, it doesn't have that really like big budget feel. I mean, you think of like a movie with a big budget that takes place on a ship. You think of something like Pirates of the Caribbean. and the Titanic. Titanic. Um, and this is definitely not that. I mean, it's all... I, I'd say this is, as far as like the ship goes, I, I'd probably say like 80 to 90% of it's all practical. It's like mm, a, seems like an actual yeah. ship, I would think. Or maybe like different set pieces that, that create a ship, but generally all practical sets. Right. Uh, I'm sure like if you like, you know, you've got a crew on the, on the deck of the ship and you pan up and you see the CGI sails and stuff like that, I'm sure that was probably the case. Yeah. I'm sure it's probably a green screen too. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> But, uh, and of course, Dracula, a lot of that was all CGI. I mean, it was obviously Javier Botet in a suit for a good chunk of it, but there's points where he's like flying through the sky and stuff like that. And, <clears throat> um, but for a big budget film, I appreciated that there wasn't a lot of CGI. Um, there wasn't a whole lot of, a whole lot of gore. Yeah, no, not really. There was a little, a little bit. But not a ton of it. But I did appreciate that the stuff that was there was all practical. At least it appeared to be. Uh, I'd, I'd probably have to watch it again. to. I may, I may eat my words if I watched it again. But what I remember seemed all practical. If it was CGI, it was pretty good. Yeah. Well, it is universal. Well, yeah. They, they got money. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, do, 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 I mean, do, you, do you have thoughts here? Um, no, I mean, it, there's not a lot of like action. There's not a lot of like, you don't really see Dracula, like going to town on anybody or anything like that. Mm. So it's a little bit different story than we're used to when it comes to Dracula. And it's, um, I mean, it's, it's still definitely a horror movie because of the tone and because of, uh, you know, it's isolationist on top of, you know, a fucking vampire. Right. But, um, no, I think it was really well done. Uh, that that's if I had to have a complaint, I think I would I would like to see more of like vampire action, of yeah. him feasting on somebody. Yeah, most of that thing, when they do show it, it's good. It's, yeah, it's gross and and goopy and and gory and good. Yeah, most of the movie it's all done. I mean, like we know what's going on, but a lot of it's done kind of in secret, and because of that you don't really get a good look at it mm-hmm. until the end where everybody kind of knows what's happening and they kind of like have the standoff. It's kind of like Godzilla where like you, you always, you hear about Godzilla and everyone's talking about Godzilla, but you don't actually see Godzilla for most of the movie. Yeah. Um, you mostly just see like Godzilla, like walking away. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, like I've, like I've said, there was, this was such a small portion of the book. Um, and even like, I think this 
part. Like I, I think because this is such an insubstantial part of the story, it gets skipped over in a lot of adaptations. Mm-hmm. Francis Ford Coppola actually spent probably a good ten minutes on this portion, and I think that's probably the most significant representation I've seen of it prior to this. Um, but even that was so short and almost unnoticeable. This is what hour and. 40, something like that? Uh, I think it was like two hours, wasn't it? Was it that? Hour, hour and 19 minutes, yeah. Hour and 19 minutes, okay. Or sorry, 119 minutes. Okay, so almost exactly two hours. Yeah. I, re- I remember well because... <laughs> so this has not been doing well in theaters, and I think it may not even be in theaters anymore. It's No, it's still in theaters. Is it? Yeah, okay. Like when I was Googling it to bring up the synopsis, I saw Showtime's... Okay. Well, in my town, they had one showing. And this is when I thought we were still recording last weekend, before I knew I had COVID. And I unfortunately went to the theater with COVID. <laughs> but um, I uh, went to the theater at 10.20 p.m. for a two-hour movie on a, on a Friday after I'd worked a full day. <laughs> Very tired. And then not even a week later. So that, that comes and goes. I find I have COVID. We cancel recording. I think it was the f- what, probably sometime during the next week. I was like, oh, Last Voyage of the Demeter is now on VOD. Like, son of a bitch. Because <laughs> not only did I do that, did I go sit in a theater in the middle of the night. I also paid theater prices. Yeah. Anyway, um, but yeah, like even even though you don't get a, a good, not a, there's not a lot of Dracula presence. I mean, it's kind of like an an aura. Yeah, like you know Dracula's there, but you don't see. He doesn't get a lot of screen time. Um, there's still a lot of like classic kind of Dracula vampire type stuff that takes place. He starts biting people and turning them. Um, I mean, you get, you see somebody burn up in the sun after they've been turned, Mm -hmm. you know, classic vampire stuff. Um, so, um, there were some changes that I didn't really appreciate just being a, a fan of the, of the, source material and i had to actually re i didn't have time to sit down and read it unfortunately but i was listening to the audiobook specifically the chapter about the demeter to to make sure i wasn't missing something but th- there were changes to this that i it's like why this is, this is like like what uh Just give me one example well the captain being so at, at one point the captain is tied to the to the wheel. Dracula ties him to the wheel. Mm-hmm. In the book, it's implied that he did it to himself because he refused to leave the wheel. He was the last person alive on the boat, refused to leave the wheel because, you know, captain goes down with the ship. Right. Um, and uh, he, he got, like in his log, he writes, you know, when I get too weak to stand, I'm going to tie myself to the, to the wheel. And that's where they find him when he's dead. Um. In this, Dracula tied him to the wheel. It's like, okay, well, there's 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 a good part of the book that's represented, like a, like a, 
like a specific part of the story that's represented right there. But then less than five minutes later, somebody unties him. (laughs) So they don't find the captain strapped to the wheel, which is just a classic thing. Uh, Like I said, it's been represented in every version of the Demeter on film. Why not this one? And also, I think it's a spoiler. There's a survivor, and it's in in the book. There's no implication, no suggestion, no evidence of any survivors. So yeah, this uh, the ending of this movie makes me think they want a sequel. Oh, I'm sure. Which I'm not too keen on. No, especially the way they did it. I was just like, well, that would be a completely different movie. Yeah, but it also doesn't make any sense because it gives the implication that the survivor is going to go hunt Dracula. Yeah. But anybody who's read Dracula knows that Dracula dies at the end of the book and this character has no part in it. <laughs> um, so anyway, it seemed a little silly to me. Yeah. Although it did kind of set up kind of like almost like a Jack the Ripper type thing. Yeah, that's that's exactly the impression I got too. Which that 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 could be an interesting tie-in. Yeah, Dracula was secretly Jack the Ripper. I don't know. Does that Jack the ma- Ripper? <laughs> does that math work out? I have no idea. 18, 1897. Jack the Ripper. They they have to call it Jack the Ripper though, because that's just too perfect. Uh, 1888. So yeah, it wouldn't work out. Mm. I mean, they could fudge it, but somebody's going to call them out. <laughs> and they're not going to care. <laughs> uh, anyway, so yeah, this is another Universal film. The second Dracula-related Universal film in one year to completely flop at the box office. Uh, which... I've said this many times. Well, on their third to because didn't Dracula Untold flop too? Well, yeah, but that that's that's been a while. Oh yeah, I was gonna say within the past decade. Yeah, I don't know. They can't seem to make a Dracula movie that people like. I liked Renfield. <laughs> I like this I too, like, actually. Yeah, yeah, I like this fine. I really liked Renfield. Yeah. Uh, I think the problem is, and I'm sure I've talked about this on the show before, but I'll. Talk till I'm blue in the face or as long as anybody wants to listen. Studios need to stop. Studio Studios and the media need to stop gauging people's enjoyment of films on box office numbers. Yeah. It's an antiquated tradition. People will, people will purposely wait until a movie comes out on VOD or physical, media, physical home media people to watch a movie. People don't watch movies the same way anymore. No. People don't, especially since COVID. I think COVID probably... Kicks, you know, spurred it into into uh, a faster spiral. Is that people don't want to go to theaters anymore? It costs too much, especially if you want to go as a go as a family. You're going to spend close to a hundred bucks to go see a, a movie as a family. If you you know buy tickets, you buy popcorn and you buy soda and you buy candies for the little shits that want candy. You're you're spending close to a hundred bucks for a family of let's say four. Uh, and that's just ridiculous. People don't want to do it anymore. They can sit at home. They can buy a, let's say, $300, $400 TV that is of better, 
a better picture than they, what they see in theater. They can set up, like I've got a surround sound system that probably costs like $200, $300. And I've had it for years, so it's more than paid for itself. Um, and they can pop their own popcorn at home. So ultimately, watch they can, it. They can pause it if they got to take a shit. They can talk to themselves throughout the movie. They can talk to each other without, you know, getting shh at. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so it just... They don't have to worry about other people talking throughout the movie. Yeah. And it's like, so judging the, so the success of a film on box office numbers is ridiculous. And I think... But this, it's the studios. The studios get, don't give a fuck if people like a movie. They care if people watch a movie because all they want is that sweet, sweet money. Yeah. And so if they're going to decide if they're going to start a franchise or if they're going to like, if they think a movie is a success or a flop, um, you know, if they're basing the success of a future movie that hasn't been made yet based on a movie that's in the theater, it's a ridiculous premise because people aren't going to see it in the theater if they... Like I'd say, like Warner Brothers with like superhero, like DC movies, they're the worst with this. It's like they will put a movie in a theater, they put like the Flash in the theater, which they already knew was garbage. They 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 rushed it to finish, um, and they threw it in the theaters. It flopped at the box office, and then they they threw it on Max, and it flopped on Max. And then they put Blue Beetle in the theater, and you know it obviously didn't perform the way they were anticipating it would. They call it a flop, even though, as far as I can tell, most people that saw it loved it. That's what I've seen, yeah. But they're going to do the exact same thing. They're going to throw it on Max. I, I almost guarantee you, in the next couple months, it's going to be on Max, where it's going to earn them nothing, except for people who paid for their what ad-supported. Is it, do they have an ad-supported one? Or am I thinking something else? I'm not sure. Regardless, um, they're they're losing money by banking on theaters, and I know theaters have been a you know a century plus mainstay of society. It's been an industry that has entertained people for you know like over a century, but times change, and that's just not where people watch their stuff anymore. Mm-hmm. It's like people used to go to the theater to watch cartoons or newsreels. When's the last time anybody did that? Unless they were seeing like a cartoon movie, you know? Right. And it's just, yeah. Anyway, so that that's my that's my spiel. And it's 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 unfortunate that movies get tagged as flops because they don't perform, they don't live up to these antiquated expectations at the theater. Yeah. Uh Renfield being one of them. I thought that was a great movie. Me too. And it, because it, it flopped. It's just like they basically disavowed it. <clears throat> um, anyway, but yeah, so this one, like you said, yeah, it's, it's, it's a good movie. And um, an inter- definitely an interesting take on a very minor part of the book. Um, the, I thought the cast was pretty good. I mean, there's familiar faces, but then also a bunch of people I've never seen before. Um, I don't know. Anything else to add? No, not really. No? Okay. Uh, all right. Well, all things considered. I think I'll give it a seven. 
I think thank you. <laughs> I think that's the sweet spot. <laughs> that's what she said. Mm. She said G spot, actually. <laughs> Not to you. She didn't say that to you. <laughs> she said, don't touch me. <laughs> G spot's a myth. <laughs> you're thinking of the female orgasm. <laughs> no, I've seen that. I've seen it with my own eyes. That was P. Hmm? That was P. That was P. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> All right, let's get out of here before we get grosser. Before I offend more people. Uh, okay. Oh, wait. Huh? Let's see. Huh. Okay. So the guy that wrote it, apparently he befriended a colleague who worked on Bram Stoker's Dracula, so the Coppola film. It says he took interest in a miniature of the Demeter used for the film and began writing an alien-inspired film set aboard the ship i never would have made that connection but now i, I definitely yeah, see it no, yeah for sure hmm. interesting okay well uh that's gonna do it guys um we will be back in a couple weeks and fingers crossed yeah i'm not gonna promise but you know all, that's the idea yeah, that, that's the tentative plan so we'll be back in a couple weeks with a brand new episode I haven't picked anything, have I? Nope. Okay. Well, I will. What's the other one we're going to be watching? Uh, a Haunting in Venice. That's right. Which is the uh, Perot film. Ross, Ross Perot? No. <laughs> the Agatha Christie character. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and like, I recognize the title, but I'm like, what the fuck is that? And looked it up. Oh, okay. I'm curious to see how much of a horror that actually turns out to be. I know. But Lynn wants to see it, so I figured two words. Sure. Yep. Has she seen any of the others? Yeah, she's seen. Uh, she saw. I think she saw all the others. The, There's two others, I think. The, yeah, the Nile. Huh, mur- murder on the Nile, or uh, something on the Nile. Yeah, the Murder on the Orient Express. Yeah, she and, saw that one. And yeah, something not Nile related. Yeah. I have not seen any of them. I'm wondering if I should watch them. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to do that at all. I mean, they all have really great casts, and I, I like Kenneth Branagh, so I don't know, maybe. Okay, uh, well, yeah, and then I will, I will, I will pick something. I just haven't done that yet, so don't worry. <laughs> uh, until then, Taylor, where can people find us? They can find us at greatplotpodcast.com, as well as wherever you listen to your podcasts. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe. Give us five stars. Put a little something in the text box. It really doesn't matter what it is. Uh, it's it's we don't care. We don't read them. But Apple and the other people tend to give a little more weight if you say something. Just tell us your favorite sandwich. I don't care. <laughs> uh, you can also find us on social media. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Threads, Spoutable, and YouTube as Grave Plot Podcast. And we're on Twitter as Grave underscore Plot. Twitter. 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 Twitter guys. Twitter. That's what it's called. It's called Twitter. It's called Twitter. And of course, patreon.com slash great podcast. If you want to help the show monetarily in exchange for some, some perks and check out great film for news on the uh, great plot film fest, February 3rd, 2024, Arclod cinema, Seattle, Washington. Let's do it. Rock and roll. All right, guys. So until we meet again, 
I'm Skeletoni. I'm Taylor of Terror. And this has been the Grave Plot Podcast, where we're all a little dead inside. Oh, shit! Get your towels ready, it's about to go down! Everybody in the place hit the fucking deck! But stay on your motherfucking toes! We running this, let's go! I'm on a boat! I'm on a boat! Everybody look at me, cause I'm sailing on a boat! I'm on a boat!